Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. everyone and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN with Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis is wearing his Steelers hoodie today. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to I have am. you with us. It's 7 o'clock. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Does that kind of remind you of the fact that you, do you as if you needed to be reminded that you're a Super Bowl champ every single day? No, but I, I do like to hear it. I, I mean, I, I do like to be introduced that way. It is a, you know, it's not a lot of people that can say nope. that about themselves. So I, I do appreciate it, Randy. Thank you. You're very welcome. Every day. I, I am thankful for that. Our buddy Greg Amsinger is going to join us at the bottom of this hour. We're also going to talk to Blues broadcaster John Kelly about uh, navigating this. Yeah. Uh, we're also going to talk to Tim Parker from St. Louis City SC. He's a center back and vice captain. St. Louis City SC opening up their inaugural campaign Saturday night in Austin. Our Blues insider Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic will join us in the 9 o'clock hour along with Battlehawks defensive lineman Tani Tupo. Is it Tupo? Do I have that right? T-U-P-O-W. Tupo. Yeah, there's a little bit of a kind of like a trill on the U and the O, but I haven't really figured Tupo? it out. Tupo? Tupo kind of thing. We'll ask yeah. him. And the, uh, the, the Battlehawks are at Seattle tonight. Yeah. CD. They are on FS1, I believe. So if you want to watch some football tonight, Thursday night, XFL football. How you feel about that Thursday night? They don't uh, like it. No, they don't no. like it. That's, you know, it's nice to have, I guess. I, I mean, it's the only show in town football related, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, but I thought I thought last weekend was was okay. You know, you had two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. It wasn't, I like that better. It wasn't um, overwhelming. So, you know, I, yeah. I thought it was pretty good. I'm, I'm, but I'll be tuned in tonight to well, see what the what the. Battlehawks can get done. Here's the thing, and I, I get that it's programming, okay? And I don't understand television programming, but I do know this, that Charles Barkley and Shaq and the Jet and Ernie are on Thursday nights oh, on yeah. TV. Yeah, the uh, Warriors on, uh, play TNT. the Lakers tonight. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know if that's the best counter-programming against another sport. Yeah, they, they they may be taking this football as king thing uh, <laughs> a, little <too> <laughs> a little too far. Yep. We'll see how far how far they can go. How much, how the ratings look tonight? We also have Blues hockey tonight here on 101 ESPN. They play Vancouver, Van Blanking Coover. Actually, it's it's Van Blanking Coover when you have to make the long flight yeah. from St. Louis to to Vancouver. To, have you ever been to Vancouver? I never have, but I understand I that it's a it's, lovely town. It is very nice. Yeah, very beautiful. So I think that when uh, when that was said by. 70s and 80s hockey's player, hockey players. It was more about the length of the trip. Yeah, and a lot of those it, guys. As Bernie has told us they they had to get connectors. Oh yeah, it, it's a it's a flight now. It's a, yeah. it's a long flight. But yeah. 
you know, it is a nice city. But they're here tonight, and no, the Sedine sisters, they're retired now, so ah. no no Sedine sisters to boo tonight. The Blues and the Canucks, it's the start of a three-game homestand, and we have the pregame for you at 6. Joe Vitale and Alex Ferrario will be with you, and the Blues, obviously, kind of scuffling. Kinda, yeah, kinda, Randy. <laughs> Randy, that was a polite. That was the probably the, the most polite way you could have said that, <laughs> Randy. They, they're, they're, right? You can take the kind out. They're scuffling. <laughs> they are. They are scuffling, trying to figure some things out. Um, you know, you made the trade of, of O'Reilly, and and things kind of went south from that point on. They they have to play with more effort, more energy. I'm going to say that because that really seems to be the only way that they're going to to stay and compete in games. Kerry, Coach Craig Berube agrees with you. Here's how they recalibrate. You know, I thought that the first 48 hours after that was tough on everybody. Uh, but, you know, going into the last night game, I, like I, I said after the game, I liked the first period. I didn't like some of the second. We, we um, gave them a few too many chances in the second period. Um, and then again, I liked the third period. I know the we gave up that fourth goal, just a tough play. Like we made, you know, not a great pass, and then we kind of fumbled it a bit, and they capitalized on it. But overall, the effort and the compete was good in the game against a real good team in their barn. You just got to go out. We got to go out with that mindset every night and, and play. You're a coach. You hear that, and he understands what the landscape is right now. I really like what Craig Berube said there. Yeah, just I mean, reset. You gotta you, you when you Randy, I've had coaches when we have been bad teams and and struggled in games, if it was a you know, a three game losing streak or something like that, by the third or fourth game, he would say, you know, we're gonna burn the tape. We're not even mm-hmm. gonna watch it because there's nothing to be to, to gain from that from watching that tape. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna burn it. We won't watch it. We're just gonna get back to practice and doing what we can do. And and sometimes that has to be the mindset. You can't, uh, you know, just continue to, to to beat a dead horse over and over and over again about the same things. You want guys to to stay fresh and stay focused, and you're gonna have to reset and just not worry about some of those losses and and try to get back into it the best way you can. And I know it's pro sports, and this is a results driven business. But sometimes you also have to deal in reality yeah. that your team can play really well and lose the game. Mm-hmm. Blues for a long time have been a team that if they played their game and they set the tempo, they were going to win the game. It's not like that on February 23rd of 2023. They can play with their tempo and they can play their best game and still lose. I, I mean, I think I think if they played with their tempo though, Randy, they would actually be in more games. I think I the tempo is being dictated to them more times than not and they they aren't they aren't doing the the things that Craig Berube gets on here and says over and over again. A straight line game, play heavy, do the things, back check, do the things, the the minor details to help you win games. And until they decide to do that on a regular basis, the score is going to look lopsided in in the opposing team's favor. So, how is the coach evaluating his guys right now? It's full bore. I need everything out of you, but we're still evaluating for two. You know, at the same time. Um, so. Um, like again, our veterans—they got to lead the way, and they got to do a good job. Uh, right now, I'm very pleased with our our young guys right now that are competing, and they got call, you know that are call-ups, and you know Torpo and Pitlick are, and Walks are giving us great efforts every night, doing a real good job. Um, you know Tucker on the back end, Nikki uh, coming in last night, um, 
again, I thought he did a good job, the effort and, and, and some good things. So, we, you know, those guys are going to give us everything they got no matter what. And here's the way the Blues lines shaped up yesterday at practice. You had Saad and Butchnevich back. So you had Thomas between Kairou and Saad. And we both talked about yep. that yesterday. We both like that. Yep. Shen between Barbashev and Butchnevich. Brown, Logan Brown back between Josh Levo and Sammy Blay. And then, uh, as Coach said, and he, he doesn't have Nadub down right, but uh, Nadub, Tor, <laughs> Torpo, and Pitlick is your, your fourth line on defense. Letty and Pareko, Scandella and Falk, and Tucker and Bortuzzo. I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, you know, I... Randy, I, I, I thought you about this. You were fine with Kelly Rosen being. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, they, for, for whatever reason, my guy doesn't continue to get the minutes. We'll, we'll, that'll get rectified at some point during the season. I mean, we, don't, we got 25 games left. Mm-hmm. At some point, he'll get the recognition that he deserves and the opportunity. And if not, maybe it'll be somewhere else. That, that's just kind of how, how professional sports play out. I was thinking about this on the way in. I probably haven't been on a team the following year, you know, back-to-back years that had the exact same people on the team since Little League. And by, by that, what I'm saying is in high school, seniors graduate. It's going to be a different team. College, seniors graduate or leave early for the draft. It's going to be a different team. NFL, people get traded, cut, all of these things. It's never the same team. This will not be the same team. And by that, what that means is if you are on this team right now, you need to give all you got to make sure you're on this team mm-hmm. next year. If not, you could be looking for a job or you could be at home, you know, waiting around trying to figure out what you what you could have done differently. So this is an audition for, for those guys that are on this hockey team. No matter whether it's a win or loss, everybody is evaluating everything and every play. And so if you're not doing your job, you may be looking for a job. And Kerry, along those lines, you've played on a lot of teams, so you know this better than I. But when the Cardinals won the division in 1996, Tony Lewis's first year, Walt Jockety did bring the exact same team back, and they failed in 1997. They were not good. And I bet you if we called Walt in Arizona today and asked him what his biggest mistake was, he would say it was keeping that group together, not having any churn yeah. within the room yeah. and on the field. Not evolving, not changing, adding something or, or eliminating something. Sometimes it's not good to be stagnant, and you do need a little bit of change. And and as I said, I haven't been on a team since since Little League that, that was the same. Mm-hmm. This team won't be the same next year. There yep. will be some people gone. So for, 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 for my taste if I if I'm a a professional athlete playing for the St. Louis Blues right now I'm going to do everything I can within my power to make sure that I'm the best hockey player on the ice every single night college hoops your Illini take on now number 21 Northwestern tonight didn't Northwest, up north yeah didn't Northwestern just make the NCAA tournament like for the first time yes. ever a Last couple year. of years ago? Last year, two years ago, one That's or a, the other. Isn't that amazing that it a school is. could not, not fall not, into it once, not though? Really. Just it fall is. into it. Randy, not really. It's Northwestern. But basketball. I probably, so here, here's a good thing, Rock. I probably have a, a disdain for more for Northwestern than I do for, for Mizzou. That's amazing. It really is. That that, that feels that way. I, I mean, I'm from St. Louis, and, and, you know, Missouri fans, I usually give them a little bit more. You guys aren't aren't privy to my Northwestern talk because those guys are in Chicago. But, yeah, yeah give, I, I, I don't like Northwestern at all. Why? Well, there was a few years ago, Randy, where they were calling themselves uh, Illinois' Big Ten team. Uh, like, oh. really? Yeah, come on. Now. R- really? The only time they've made oh, the Oh, no, NCAA. no, no. Chicago's Chicago. Big, Ten oh. te- Big Ten team. Come on. Yeah, I, I, that really s- un- <laughs> didn't sit well with me. They have uh, The only time they made the tournament was in 2017. They have finished... 
Well, not finished. They have been in. Get this. They have been in the top 20 or top 25. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. This is the eighth year ever. And they started playing in 1904-1905. This is the eighth season ever that they've even been in the top 20 or top 25. That's tough. That's tough. I don't feel bad for him, but it, it, it is tough. I got good friends that went to Northwestern. You know, Jason Wright is my guy. He's mm-hmm. president of, uh, what is he, Commanders? Is Commanders, president? yeah. Yeah, well. president of Commanders. Is, I don't know if that's his title, but he's you know up there in the high-ranking. Yeah. I really appreciated Northwestern because when my son toured Northwestern, didn't go there, but we had a stand-up comedian as our tour guide because a lot of comedians come out of Northwestern. Mm-hmm. And so he points to the some math building, and he said, that's the math building. Math stuff happens in there, and I don't go in there. <laughs> so here's a, here's a fun fact, Randy. I actually wanted to go to Northwestern. I, mm. the, I, I was on an unofficial visit to Northwestern mm. and was supposed to go to Michigan the next day. Michigan was recruiting me heavily, really heavily. Mm. I went to Northwestern on Friday, was supposed to go to Michigan on Saturday and Sunday. I just skipped the Michigan trip and didn't go. Wow. And they stopped recruiting me. Oh, yeah, that was that's a, a shame. It was a poor choice. Yeah, no, it wasn't. You know, Illinois well, was perfect. I, no, it was perfect for me. But hindsight 2020, yeah. I, I probably should have went to see what Michigan had to offer. Mm-hmm. I had went to their camp a couple of years. I had done really well. And, that yeah, would have been would have been different. It would have been a little different. Yeah. When Patrick visited, it was in July, and I, our, our friend Bob Wallace was with the Rams at that point, and his son had also toured Northwestern. He said, now, this is great at this time of year, but make sure if he's going to yeah. go, tour it in February, yeah. too. Yeah, because I, I was there in, in April, I believe, or May. It was it was beautiful. Yeah. But Chicago uh, in, in December, January, February, whew, yeah, you know, different. It, it That's turns. one of the coldest games I ever played in, too, in Northwestern. Oh, yeah, coldest I've ever been in my life was at Soldier Field. Different in, in Chicago. One other note, and uh, aren't we proud to be in the SEC here in Missouri? A statement from Alabama about their uh, freshman, Brandon Miller, scored 41 points last night, including the game winning layup. After being cleared to play in their 78 76 win over South Carolina, a statement from Alabama says UA Athletics continues to cooperate fully with law enforcement on the ongoing investigation of this tragic situation. Based on all the information we have received, Brandon Miller is not considered a suspect in this case, only a cooperative witness. And then they, I will add, I'm sure this was in there, Roll Tide. (laughs) (laughs) Randy, I mean, you know, I, I understand from 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 how it's being explained, he was already going to pick up that friend or going to meet mm-hmm. that friend and and had the the weapon with him. I guess it was get returning it. it you don't want to be involved in any no. of this whatsoever. I mean, it it really could impact your life. Obviously, it has impacted the lives of of many other people in this situation, and and for the coach, the 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 statement, Coach Oates, the statement mm-hmm. of what he said, just having. No awareness of no empathy, none whatsoever. Just simply coming out. You know what? I made a mistake. I was thinking about my kid and Brandon, not thinking about you know the entire the entirety of the situation. I made a mistake. My condolences to to the young lady involved, and and you know, wish for the best outcome in 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 the proceedings. Okay, this this is Brandon Miller, hot shot freshman, scored forty one last night. If Brandon Miller is a sophomore that plays two minutes a game, is he still on the team? Oh, Randy. Okay. Randy, just, he's, just they said he's a top five pick yeah. in the in the NBA yeah. draft yeah. this That's, year. I was just he scored forty one and got the game winning overtime layup. What are we talking about? <laughs> no. The team. Why the hell? Yeah, he, 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 he's playing. 
as we've gone through all of the the necessary criteria, and he will be here. We uh we feel that he's done nothing wrong, and you know, young man, he's a great young man. Roll Dang, tide, roll damn tide. <laughs> Oh, damn tight. Let's <laughs> uh, carry. I'm Randy. We're off and running here on 101 ESPN at 715. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. That's 314-399-YOHO. What are you sick of? Sick of it is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Kerry Davis and Matthew Rocchio. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. It is happy Friday Eve. Tomorrow is Friday, so uh, enjoy Friday Eve. This is kind of like uh, our own little four-day work week because we just kind of... I know I, I mentioned the four-day work week to our boss, John Kioski, and he summarily rejected he, my he thought. He wasn't interested in that? No. We could do like a podcast on Friday. We could do that or... And, and just... Tape it. The other thing that I'm thinking is just completely check out. Do a okay. show, but really not work hard at not it. Not be here? Like, be like here be, physically, yeah, physically, but not but, right. mentally not just work completely. At it. We're, we're somewhere else. Yeah. Hey, you let me know what you want to do, big fella. I'm with you. Yep. I'm, I'm all for it. Hey, Kerry, uh, here we are. Uh, we're a game into the XFL season. Mm-hmm. Fourth game will be the home opener for your St. Louis Battlehawks. I'm sick of the fact that we just can't see the Battlehawks. I'm sick of the yeah. fact that we don't get to watch them in the dome. I, I'm, I'm sick I'm, of the St. Louis without Catherine Webb in the stands. I'm, I'm, well, yeah, Randy, you got a couple more weeks, maybe. Yep, yep, couple more yep. weeks. Yep, we'll be good to go. Uh, I, I, I am, I agree. I, I'm ready for them to get here, but you know, got a game tonight in Seattle. Hopefully, can can start the season off two and zero. And and the thought process is when they get here, we'll be three and zero, and the stadium will be packed and and a bunch of. Yeah. All throughout. St. Louis always plays Seattle tough, by the way. Yes, they do. <laughs> uh, trust me, I know. <laughs> uh, Randy, you know what I'm sick of? I-, I am sick of grown people, grown adults. You know, you you go through high school, you go through grade school, you go through high school, you go through college potentially or or, or whatever you do, you know, and then you become a politician. Mm-hmm. And then you learn somewhere in that path from grade school to high school to college to not be a good person. I don't care which side you're on. Most of them. Most of them. I, I, I mean, what, what would you say? 88% of them? I think that's a pretty good number. 88% of politicians are terrible people. Yep. Just be better, man. I don't give a dang on what your policy is. You're doing it for people. Should be. Not for pockets. My opinion. Be a better person. Or, 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 just go away. Carrie, you live your life as a non-politician. As somebody who serves the greater good, you want to enhance the lives of young people. Yeah. You're the head coach at Hazelwood Indeed. Central. You're a very nice person. You you do a lot of charitable things. I try to serve the greater good. We both, with this platform, try to do things to help other people. You take on that responsibility when you run for public office. You yeah. are a servant. Yes. It's your job to serve the greater good. You're not there to serve yourself. No. So go out. We implore you to go out and serve the greater good. Do things that help people, not yourself, right, not no, right. or, or not people so close to you that it it really helps you. Also, help people that you don't know because that's what you signed up for, ma'am. 
sir. Yep. Do the right thing. Do the right I, thing. Stop arguing. I have a theory, Randy. We we talked about it the other day. Every person should be allowed one slap, uh, mm-hmm. a lifetime or, or or a month or you know you should be allocated to slap somebody at least once every six months. But we talked about it. It's got to be kind of like the NFL replay rule, where it, if the person really deserves it, okay. Kerry retains his slap. Yes. Right? After yes, replay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no penalty, no, no punishment. No, no. I heard, I was reading something or saw something the other day that in Texas, and I don't know how true this is. Please, someone text in. Texas, you can challenge someone to a duel, to oh. a fight in the street if both parties agree and it does not re- reach the level of battery, it's actually okay. Okay. I'm, I'm good. I'm okay with that. Yep. But I, I challenge like, you to a duel, yeah. but it can't. You can't. You know, you can't kick him while he's down. You can't. It can't be overbearing or over aggressive. Mm-hmm. You know, once he's once it's done, it's done. But challenge you to a duel. I'm on board. I'm all for it. You I would be Hamilton, challenging. By the way? Uh, I haven't. Hamilton is awesome. I really. I wanted to go see it in Chicago, and I didn't get a chance to see it while I was there one weekend. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to see it still. There's a couple of duels in Hamilton. I, I'm all Everything's for it. I'm all in New for Jersey. It. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. Ask the Sopranos. <laughs> Matthew, what do you got on the old text line there? I'm sick of it. I'm sick of two grown men yelling yo-ho on my radio. Have a oh. great day. Boo. Hey, here. Okay, grab your phone. Okay, here's, here's what you got to do. 9646, number, not e- an easily recognized or notable number. You grab your phone and get to the keypad, okay? Nine has WXYZ, Okay. Uh, six has M N O. You have to use the O. It's yeah. the only vowel you have, right? Because you can't have Z N or Z M or Y M or any of those. So, right now we are we, all we got is yo. Okay, four we can have G H I. Okay, and then we go back to six. So we could have done something like zoin. No, <laughs> yeah, I don't like that. No fly there. No fly zone. Yo go. Yo go. Again, why would we do that? Nah. Yeah. Uh, Zogo, I guess we could have done. Hey, text in. You, you just look at your numbers, 9646, Give and us, find out yeah. what the best word would be when May, we... Maybe it is zoin. Zoin, yeah, <laughs> it might be. So if, if you like something better, feel free to text in, and we will absolutely consider it. But Yoho is just kind of fun. Kind of like Yoohoo, but yeah, Yoho. Exactly. Pirate Radio, baby. You, Yoho is a, a chocolate drink that is, I don't know where it's made. Delicious. But it, it's, yeah, it is phenomenal. It is made in deliciousness is um, where it's made. I, I had a Yoohoo like a couple weeks ago. It was delicious. Yeah. It's fantastic. Randy, I'm sick of it. Watching the Blues and thinking they actually have a chance of winning a game. Yeah, they don't. Well, they have a chance, Randy. They're, they're on the ice. Well, that's true. Yeah, they'll win some games. They, they we win. said I mean, seven high, out of eighteen. Yeah, they're they're an NHL hockey team. They will win some games. It just won't be as many as as we'd like. I no. think. But I do believe that what the Blues have done. I have faith in Army. I believe that they've taken the correct steps to go about rebuilding this thing in a reasonable amount of time. And by the way, the Anaheim Ducks are the worst team in the league this year. 41 points, along with Columbus. Anaheim has 17 wins. They're 17, 34, and 7, so the Blues are going to win, win some games. All right. I'm sick of my kid waiting till the day before to tell us what she needs for school tomorrow. <laughs> then my wife acts as if the kid is right. Sick of it. Oh, yeah. Ooh, the wife agreeing is yeah, not. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, like, I always wait until the last day to tell my parents, listen. but like, they were both uniformly mad at me. So. You, you do not know how maddening. I didn't realize it when I was a child, how maddening it is for your child to tell you at 
9 p.m. Hey, I need some cardboard paper. I, I gotta. I need to do a project. When's it due? Tomorrow. Yep. Wait, what? It, what? Excuse me? It's due tomorrow. Much, it's got to get done. How much of that stuff do they sell at Walgreens on, on weeknights at, at 8.30? Oh, the, man. Uh, the Bundles. Poster board. Poster Bundles. board. Yeah, right? Bundles. Yeah. Now, I was the one who just didn't say anything. I didn't want to make my parents mad, so I didn't even do the project. You just said <laughs> it's better to get a zero than, than the... I, I mean, that's a thought process, Randy. Uh, I can see that. I'm a people pleaser. <laughs> I actually know. I... I, 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 I I get that feeling. Uh, I'm sick of the fourth line playing the hardest, but not getting more ice time unless we're being blown out. Nadab and Torpo have been our hardest workers for a long time. Reward them. Especially now that you don't have O'Reilly and Tarasenko. I agree with that. I'm with you. If they're going to be the hardest working players, you show everybody else on your team, okay, this is how you earn ice time. Yeah, I mean, you should. They are they are working hard. I don't know that they're going to get that time if if you know you got guys in front of you that are, are first line and second line guys, which are I guess thought processes that they're better hockey players at this mm-hmm. moment in their careers. There they'll come. There will come time where they'll get more opportunities, but it may be when they're down in games and just not playing well. But it's still an opportunity. Good material from the BLIS. Best listeners in sports, thanks so much for your text. We do appreciate them. Coming up, Greg Amzinger is going to try to explain why Game 6 of the 2011 World Series wasn't among the 20 best baseball games of the last 50 years as shown by MLB Network. Greg Amzinger, lead anchor of MLB Network, is next on 101 ESPN. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Carrie Davis, Randy Carricker, let's go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Greg Amsinger, lead anchor of MLB Network, product of the Lindenwood University, and of course, native St. Louis, and joins us. Greg, how are you doing this morning? I'm walking through my closet right now, Randy, trying to pick out the best outfits for the big live reveal of the top 100 right now, the top 10 
is tonight we will announce who the best player in baseball is, and i got to wear an outfit that actually fits the level of show. Is Nolan Arenado going to be in the top ten, please? Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt will both be in the top yes. ten. And uh, <laughs> that will make that will make our top ten the oldest top ten we've ever had. Uh-uh. The top twenty, we, we revealed 20 through 11 last night. The top 20 is the oldest top 20 in baseball that we've ever had. And I really believe this show kind of tells you the state of the game. We Obviously, these guys are, are in the top 20 because they all had great years in 2022. What did we see in the offseason? We saw free agency take contracts into guys, you know, after the age of 40. So we're seeing contracts we've never seen before because players are taking care of their bodies in ways we've never seen before, leading to the state of the game where the top 20 players in baseball are older than they've ever been before. That's just one of the many revelations, by the way, that you learn by doing this this practice of the top 100 right now. Well, Greg, I'm glad that you do have uh, Nolan and, and, and Goldie in your top 10 because uh, MLB.com has many – Machado as the best third baseman in the World Baseball Classic, and Freddie Freeman as the best first baseman in the World Baseball Classic. What are your thoughts about that? It's a tough debate. It really is. Uh, It's hard to go against Paul Goldschmidt after what he did last year. Freddie Freeman just proved so much. When you change uniforms and you've only worn one leading up to 2022, and then you cry like every other day like Freddie did in the offseason – leading up to opening day because he he didn't want to play for the Dodgers. He wanted to stay with the Braves. And then he still put together incredible numbers. He had a career high in stolen bases. Uh, Freddie Freeman's on the Hall of Fame highway. To me, it's a toss-up between those two guys. I think Freddie's been more consistent. And I, I know it's hard for Cardinal fans to believe, but what I mean by that is Paul Goldschmidt, like you saw in October, he can lose it. He can go like two or three weeks where he kind of like is lost in his own head. And, and he still ends up putting great cumulative numbers for the year. Whereas Freddie Freeman doesn't do that. He is a machine. One of the more consistent players in the game. Now, as I say that, it's not set in stone that Freddie Freeman is ranked closer to number one on our show tonight than Paul Goldschmidt. I do not know the order. But our list has been different than the analytically driven Brian Kenny top 10 positional shows. So, fingers crossed that they get a ride and Goldie's closer to number one. Hey, Greg, another list that MLB put together was the 20 greatest games of the last 50 years. And I enjoyed watching it. Bob Costas and Tom Verducci getting players that played in those games. But it was striking to me that... In the last 50 years that the people that put this list together didn't see fit to put 2011 World Series Game 6 in there or any game that involved the Cardinals. It's really surprising that the Cardinals, with all of their success, could not have played in one of the top 20 games of the last 50 years. It's a really good point. Uh, what I can tell you is that that series of shows, uh, and, and you can you can see this based on Tom Verducci's hair and outfits, <laughs> It was taped in February of 2011, so they actually need to go. Oh yeah, they need to that. <laughs> okay, they need to update the series a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> they do. Okay, um, good. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. 
Now, now the the Sandberg game is, I think, a, a, an amazing baseball game that I'm shocked did not crack the top fifty. But I will say, most of the games on their list are are pennant driven, uh, epic playoff games or games that led to deciding a pennant. So um, I, I understand that, but mm-hmm. you're right. 2011 Game Six, they need to redo it, like kind of refreshing this series. Uh, although, if you're Tom Verducci, you hope they don't because he looks dashing. He looks like he's 28 years old. Bob Costas hasn't shows. changed a bit. He, he looks exactly the same. <laughs> it is it is um, remarkable. I don't know how Bob has any friends his own age. <laughs> if, if I'm Bob's age, I'm kind of angry with him because he makes me look even older than I really am. Uh, but Bob is wildly popular and. Look at him. There are many different ways people are taking care of themselves. He, I know he's not a big drinker. I've had Pinot Noir, a little light red wine with Bob before at dinner. Um, and I, I, maybe he sleeps in one of those chambers, like my friend John Smoltz did when he played. A lot of questions we need to ask Bob Casas. Hey, Greg, we were uh, talking to Mike Claiborne yes, a couple of days ago, and he was saying that Tyler O'Neill asked for an opportunity to play center field. What do you think about that? And, and is that a, a good move for him and for this Cardinals team? Well, Mike Claiborne made a move uh, to just white wine, and I and I had some white <laughs> wine with Mike Claiborne, and I think it's really helped him in many ways. Um, he looks terrific, by the way, Mike Claiborne. Wow, what what a transformation and and what a personality. I mean, holy smokes, you get lost in the conversation <laughs> with Mike Claiborne, and it, three hours later, you're like, well, I just missed my flight. <laughs> incredible experience. To hang out with Mike Claiborne. Uh, but, you know, I look, there's a formula to the top 100 of when I said more than many revelations that we've learned. And it's going to get back to Tyler O'Neill, I promise. Uh, we've been doing this, this top 100 since 2011. And what we found is no team heading into that season won the World Series, eventually won the World Series, without having five top 100 players on our list. Hmm. You have to have five to win the World Series. This is going all the way back to 2011. The Cardinals going into 2023, I have really sad news to report, St. Louis. Cardinals have four top 100 players. Four. Tyler O'Neill was on the list last year. He's not on the list this year because obviously he had a bad year. But that's kind of the difference maker for this team. He has to get back. And I said this a year ago that he was the most important Cardinal a year ago. Mm-hmm. But I think Tyler O'Neill and Jack Flaherty have a chance to be top 100 players and impact this team in immense ways. But as it stands right now, the Cardinals are on the outside looking in because they have four. Do you know who has five? Who? Well, there are many teams with more than five, but. The Texas Rangers have a better chance at winning the World Series than the St. Louis Cardinals. There are four teams that don't have a single player on the top 100 right now. The Boston Red Sox have one player on the top 100 right now, Rafael Devers. The two teams with the most players on the top 100, which means this should be your World Series favorite going in. This is what we're expecting. Both teams have eight, eight players in the top 100, the Astros and the Mets. No surprise there. No surprise at all. 
And by the way, if those two wound up playing in the World Series, I don't think anybody would be surprised. Hey, Greg, there's a great piece by John Denton at MLB.com talking about how Giovanni Gallegos is going to have to navigate the pitch clock. He was one of, if not the slowest pitcher in Major League Baseball last year. Who do you think, because Gallegos is a reliever, but from your observation and having to work late at night watching MLB games, what pitcher will be most affected by the pitch clock in Major League Baseball? No one's going to understand this when I say it. Um, he's former Cardinal farmman. Zach Gallen has been a breakout star for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Terrific pitcher. Now, he is an oddity. He's one of the more efficient pitchers. That means quick to home plate when no one's on base. But once you get on base, I think he became the fourth slowest, most deliberate pitcher in baseball. And that change in how he automatically becomes more uncomfortable. All the numbers go way through the roof. Opponents batting average, everything. Hard hit rate when guys are on base. He likes, you know, not he likes coming through the windup. He likes doing his thing with no one on base. And he's a dominant pitcher in the game today, but he he really struggles when guys are on base. Now with a pitch clock, I asked Zach Gallon earlier in the series of Top 100 right now, and first off, I had to apologize. It, it was the first time he'd ever been on it, and he was actually salty that he had never been on the show before, <laughs> even though he's had a couple of great years. Um, but I, I said, look, are, are you getting ready for life changing with this pitch clock? Because you're the fourth slowest on plate when there are guys on base. And you can tell in his answer – that there was frustration that he has to think about a pitch clock. And I really think, and I, I, again, he plays out West, like you mentioned. I do a lot of West Coast live look-ins when I'm on late on MLB tonight, and I can tell the difference when there were guys on base. So even though he's not one of the mega stars, which I'm more than likely you were, that's what you were hoping for, Zach Gallen is a, a top 10 pitcher in the National League right now, and I think he's got a rude awakening when the pitch clock comes. Do you think that with, with the pitch timer and, and the clock that the, the premium on base ceiling is going to go up? Do you think we'll get back to, to 50, 60, uh, 100 stolen bases by, by one player? Is that a potential? Yeah, I, I think uh, Julio Rodriguez, who debuted in the top 100 at number 16 last night, it's a great debut. May I remind you, Mike Trout debuted at, at number one after mm-hmm. his rookie year. I, I, think, I think Julio Rodriguez could be a 40-40 player. Um, he's one of three rookies ever to have 25, at least 25 homers and to at least 25 stolen bases in a year, joining Trout and my colleague Chris Young to do it. Um, but you know, a lot of people expect you know, 1980s-style baseball to return in 2023. May I just slow that roll a bit? Because players today, eventually we're going to get there, players that are grandfathered into this new world of the pitch timer and bigger bases and restrictions on how many times you can throw to first base, they're not that into stolen bases right now. Mm. They have been trained to not really be into it all that much. Mike Trout is not stealing more than five bases, okay? Like, you're going to see some guys maybe get to 20, uh, but this collection of major leaguers aren't that into it. Julio Rodriguez, after his rookie year, uh, he's still kind of into it. But we're going to need probably four to five, six years where these minor leaguers who are using all of these new rules uh, in, in amateur baseball are going to come up, and they're still into stolen bases and how they impact the game. So I don't think it's going to be a gigantic difference compared to what we were used to in 2022. Do you think organizations are going to start putting more of a premium on guys that can steal bags? 
Yeah, I asked uh, Theo Epstein, uh, who now works for the league office, many of these rules were kind of pushed forward by him. Uh, and I said, look, you were one of the great roster constructors of all time, winning a couple championships, the Red Sox and the Cubs. With these new rules in place, would you draft, develop minor leaguers differently? He goes, absolutely. He goes, I would actually address free agency differently with these new rules. He goes, I understand why the, Minnesota, the Seattle Mariners did what they did. They immediately, immediately acquired Colton Wong to play second base. Hmm. They have addressed the new rules with their roster additions, and you're going to see teams do that. It's, it's, it's the inevitable future because this game as we know it is different than what we've seen the last 20 years. Hey, Greg, one last thing for you, and this is in regards to your top 100. And I just want your opinion. Adolis Garcia, former Cardinal, number 99. Zach Gallen, former Cardinal, number 69. He was in the Ozuna trade. Randy Rosarena, number 62. Sandy Alcantara, number 13. That's four of the top 100, and the Cardinals only have Matthew Libertor to show for them. Should we take out of it the positive that the Cardinals recognized and developed the talent or the negative that they have nothing to show for the guys? Ooh, uh, that's a good question. I would say both. How about that, right? Yeah. Um, It's a different department when you're drafting players, right, signing international players, than trading for other players or other teams' prospects. Those are two different departments within your organization. You have scouts that uh, are following the young talent of other clubs if you decide to make a trade. Then you have the other side of your department that is looking for international players to sign and looking for prospects to draft. So you can see the clear divide on which side of the of the room deserves a promotion and the other side has kind of got the evidence in their face that they failed a bit. Uh, I think Sandy Alcantara, being the, the number one pitcher in baseball, by the way, closest to number one than, than Scherzer and Verlander, that one really stings because everything about him screams super talent for years to come. But since you asked me one more thing, I'm going to ask you one more thing you before I leave. I played played this game last night. Uh, Harold didn't want to play it at all. He's going to be on the show with me tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, but this is a fun game. I want you guys to play it real quick. Start, bench, cut. Okay, we man. all know the top three players in baseball are Trout, Otani, and Judge. Start, bench, oh. cut. Those three players, Otani, Trout, and Judge. Go. All right. I am starting Shohei Otani because he's two players in one. Me too. Greg, this is tough because (laughs) Judge has had his durability issues. Trout has had his durability issues. I believe because of the multiple things that Trout does, the fact that he can steal bases, that he's a premier center fielder, I'm going to bench Trout, and I'm going to cut Aaron Judge. I'm probably going to flip it. I'm going to cut... Trout and bench Aaron Judge. Yeah, look, it, it, it's, it's a good game. It's a fun <laughs> How about you? What are you doing? I am starting Shohei Otani. I am benching Aaron Judge, and I'm cutting Mike Trout. And the wow. only reason for that is this back thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm pulling a Carlos Correa on Mike Trout. You know this invisible ankle injury from 2014 that cost Correa 100 million dollars. <laughs> uh, the back, the back story with Mike Trout gave me the out. So I'm going to go with a healthy $360 million Aaron Judge as my guy on the bench. Did you know? I think, I think, I, I think your listeners would enjoy this game. It's, Not it's, that I'm trying to tell you what to do in your show. <laughs> but I, I mean, I've been known to do that at my own place of employment. But, you know, it's, it's a fun game. Let's do it. And by the way, Greg, Google, I don't know if you're aware of this. Aaron Judge's personal hitting coach, we've had him on the show. He's right here in St. Charles, Missouri. Oh, I know that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my, my old basketball coach at St. Charles High 
Charlie Meeker is dear friends with him, and he has sent me videos of him like in a gym playing soft toss with Aaron Judge. I'm like, how the hell do you know Aaron Judge? <laughs> crazy. Yeah, he's got great thoughts, too. We've had him on the show, and he's really compelling. Greg, we'll be tuned in tonight. Thanks so much for the time. We always appreciate it. Love you, and uh, we'll see you soon. All right, guys. Take care. It's fun. See you. Take care. That's Greg Amsinger, lead anchor, MLB Network, product of uh, the Lindenwood University, and, of course, a native of St. Louis. So he is cutting trout. You are cutting trout. Yeah. Shohei is obviously the starter. It's clear and cut. I mean, he's two two players in one, right? Right. So you got to start him. Aaron Judge hits the ball really hard and really far. He he should be on the bench. Mike Trout has missed. Mike Trout, I think, gets forgotten about because of where he is. If he were in New York, mm-hmm. he would be what Aaron Judge is in terms of uh, visibility and, and just people knowing, the, the casual fans knowing. If you were to put Mike Trout and Aaron Judge next to each other versus a casual fan, I don't think they would know who Mike Trout was. Just yeah, based, you're on, right, you're based right. on, you know, and, and he's going to go down as one of the best players who's ever played a game. But based on where he's played his entire career, not having the visibility, not having the playoff push, not having the the, the media market that that the New York Yankees have, Mm -hmm. it's just it's a tough deal for him. By the way, if we include Alcantara in this mix, and it's Otani's clearly number one, let's do it this way. Let's just get rid of Otani. Start, bench, cut, Alcantara, Trout, Judge. I'm starting Alcantara. Still. I am. I'm probably starting Judge in that situation. Okay. I'm starting Alcantara because I, number one pitchers are so hard to find. Yeah, but a guy that can hit 60 bombs is yeah, There's only good. been a few people to do it. Pretty good. Yeah. I, I'll take my pitcher. There's been even less who have done it multiple times. <laughs> so there you go. Coming up, we've got Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text in to 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. With Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis and Matthew Rocchio, I'm Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Time for Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. We have been using Yoho. Have we come up with anything better? We're we're still using Yoho. 314-399-YOHO. All right. uh, CD, as we know, the New York Jets hosted Derek Carr for a visit to become their quarterback. Diana Rossini got the inside scoop on what happened with that visit. Here's ESPN's Diana. They ran through top to bottom of why Derek Carr can step in here and take this team not just to the playoffs, but to the Super Bowl. And they made it really personal, too. They said, we believe if you come to New York and win, you could be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Kerry, take it or leave it. Phil Sims heard that and said, huh? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'll tell you. I didn't know where you were going with that. But yeah. yeah huh? a, in New York, take huh? a team to a Super Bowl, win it. Uh, yeah. What? Huh? <laughs> First ballot Hall of Famer just because you win in New York? I don't uh, think so. Nah, not really. We were having a, a, a dis, uh, interesting discussion off air about running backs, and we were talking about Barry Sanders and, and being one of the, the best running backs of all time. 
The best running back in terms of yardage is obviously Emmitt Smith. Take it or leave it. He's not in your top five rushers of all time. Oh, Emmett? Emmett. Well. He's he's right there for me. Okay, so Walter Berry. I think I'll I'll try this. Um, Peyton Dickerson Sanders. Oh. Jim Brown. Yeah, this is is tough. Uh, I I think I'm going to put Emmett in there ahead of the bus and Frank Gore and Curtis Martin. O.J. Simpson. Good question. O.J. Simpson. I think I'll... I'll leave it. I'll I'll say that Emmett is not in my top five rushers. He's not. Yeah, Who's your fifth? I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna go with OJ Simpson. OJ Simpson. For okay, so for me, and it's tough. It's it's Walter. It's Barry. It's Marshall and Edge. Edge was awesome. Now <laughs> Marshall's all around game. Marshall's for me is top five. Top with, five. With the all around. game. So uh, for me, just running backs in general is what yeah, I was. I'm just to. people that you hand okay. the ball off to. I would I would still put Marshall in there because I've seen Marshall make people miss. He was unbelievable. That I don't even know how he knew that they, they were there. And for me, the fifth is is it's a it's a it's a tough one. Adrian Peterson is there. Oh yeah. Emmett Smith is there. Uh, you put Jim Adrian Brown James is there. over Ladan Tomlinson. Yes, every day wow. of the week. Every okay. day of the week. Edge was something. Edge put, was different. Do you put Derrick Henry in the Adrian Peterson conversation as the best, re, maybe no. the best, like, no. post-2005? No, 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 no. no. It's, Adrian Peterson is in a category by himself, and it's just him doing what he was able to do. He, he that, That's why he probably yeah. is what in my the, top five. Yeah, CD, what about Earl Campbell? Ooh, just <laughs> the, the, the pure uh, bruiser that was one Earl K. Anybody that can run out of a jersey mm-hmm. is, listen, I, I that is. He was awesome. Whew. It's hard to leave. His, I think Earl Campbell was better than Emmett Smith. Okay. that That's, I mean, he, he top rusher, top running back uh, in terms of yardage all time and, and maybe not top five in people's opinions. Top six or seven maybe not. But even. also one, and it's unfair to, to criticize a guy because of his surroundings, but one of the top five offensive lines in history, too, Ever. that he was running behind. Indeed. Yeah. Not his fault, but, you know, just fortunate. Yep. And we we never talk about Frank Gore. Frank Gore is third all-time in rushing he, And he's not on anybody's top no, ten. Nobody's. That, it's, it, it's disheartening a little bit. Curtis, Curtis Martin as well. He doesn't yeah. get— He was he, a stud. He doesn't get enough love either. And by the way, I, I'm going to—I will uh, die on the Eric Dickerson Hill. Don't love the guy, but, man, the running back was something. I never got to really— See much of. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I saw a little bit of Walter, but I, I didn't get to see much of of Eric Dickerson. Yeah, all right. And I well, knew he ran high and ran hard. Yeah, it was he was beautiful. Yeah. He was a gazelle. Yeah. He was unbelievable. Like poetry. Yeah. All right. What do we got on the old text line, Matthew? Take it or leave it. Mo is a top five GM if Walker and Wynn turn into all stars. Like right now, he's top five right now. Even if they don't turn into all stars, nobody else wins like nobody else's teams win like his do. Right, should we extrapolate it then? Is he, is he a top five GM in the last thirty years of baseball? If if, if he gets two more All Stars yeah. like that level, he's he got to win championships, more championships yeah. to be a top five uh, uh, GM of all time in the last thirty years. I, I think based on Theo Epstein is probably in that in that yep. in that world yeah. because of what he did, where he did it to take franchises that hadn't won in so long and to actually win championships for teams that. People thought they would never win one. I think he's in there, but last thirty years, but it's multiple yep. championships. Yep. Theo, 
Obviously, Brian Sabian, who won three with the Giants. Cashman has done it with an inordinate amount of money. But if you look at the last 30 years, so 86, or uh, let's see. So we're talking back to 93. 93. Cashman was part of the front office that built the Yankees without a ton of money. I mm-hmm. mean, when you look at Bernie Williams came up through their system, Jeter came up through their system, Posada, uh, Andy Pettit, uh, and then they built. When you you're winning with people like Brocious and Tino Martinez and Chad Curtis, and you, you resurrect Tim Raines and Daryl mm-hmm. Strawberry and Dwight, they did a really good job there without a ton of money. So, I will put Cashman on that list. But I think Moe's right there in the hunt. Okay. I, I would say that, yeah, top five right now and top who five. Houston? In who is uh, uh, Houston? Well, it was Luno. Luno. Luno kind of. Does he, that's what I was thinking. Is he, uh, yeah, I don't think we can do that. I don't think so either. Based on based on how how it was how it was established. Yeah. Well, as as, uh, Drellick, as, as Drellick passed along, if you're getting threatened at some point in the office by another one of your coworkers, probably not top five. Remember we talked earlier about slapping people? Yeah. yeah probably. I would say that Andrew Friedman as well, who's now okay. with the Dodgers, and he built the culture and the system in Tampa. Andrew Friedman's in that list, too. Even though he hasn't won... Well, he did win the COVID World Championship, yeah. but he hasn't won a full season World Championship yet. Do we not count COVID World Championships? No. Because I don't count the Lakers. I don't either. Okay. Uh, take it or leave it. If you're the Blues, you'd give up three first-rounders this year and your first-rounder in 24 and 25 for that number one <laughs> overall pick. Uh, no. I, wow, I that's a hefty price. It is. It's Kyle Bernard, baby. That's no. No. Uh, no. I'm doing I, it. There's no guarantees. I'm doing it. You got so much. No way. No way. No way. Yeah, I, that's that a be lot. Hard. The Blues need a lot of players. That's, that's, that's the thing. That's that's essentially the the St. Louis Rams, but yeah. for one player, yeah. as opposed to getting multiple players. Right. It's, that's the problem with the Blues. If they were one young player away, Los Angeles be great. Rams. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. You know I mean. <laughs> Blank them picks. Right. <laughs> Take it or leave it. If Ryan O'Reilly does not come back, the best person as captain is Braden Shen. I think I'll take that. Yeah, Shenner's a great leader, and I know <sighs> the Blues. They want our guy Robert Thomas to ascend to that level where he's the C. But Braden Shen has all the qualities of a captain. He is great in the room. He's great on the ice. He protects players. He sh- he leads by example. I think that he would be a terrific choice. I mean, Randy, I'm I'm looking at this roster, and I, I don't have any arguments. I, I don't know. If it's not Robert Thomas, um, then it's probably Braden Shen. But we were talking about it earlier. He's probably a little bit frustrated. Just mm-hmm. with the play of the team at this moment. Got to get more out of what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Can I get one more in here yep. it, uh, on the running back debate? Take it or leave it. It's hard to choose between Tony Dorsett or Emmett Smith. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll leave that. Okay, that's where, that's where you Here's stop. That's where you stop. I, I stop that. Well, Curtis you, Martin, no. I don't think Jerome Bettis. I don't think Marcus Allen or Franco Harris or Thurman Thomas. I don't think Ladanian Tomlinson. I think he's he's right there, but it's it's like seven, six, seven mm-hmm. for for me with with Emmett. Here's the thing: if I have Tony Dorsett in his prime, so Tony Dorsett and Emmett Smith are both 25 years old, running behind the Emmett offensive line. Well, Randy, I think Tony Dorsett's a more productive player. Eh, I could see that. I would have loved to run behind that line, Randy. Yeah, you would. You would have <laughs> been a 1,200 yard guy. No question. <laughs> No and question. you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have curbing Richards it up either. No, I'd have been I'd have you been know. 
been a good guy. Been taking care of business. Jimmy, Jimmy Johnson. So Kervin Richards was a backup running back. Emmett was hurt. And in a road game, Kervin Richards fumbles twice. Oh, no. And Jimmy Johnson, on the plane home, cut him. Oh, well. Cut him. So the press conference the next day, the postmortem on Monday, Jimmy is asked, well, what would happen if Emmett would fumble twice? He said, well... If Kervin Richards fumbles twice in a game, I'm going to cut him on the plane on the way home. If Emmett fumbles in a game, when he comes to the sideline, I'm going to say, Emmett, would you please hold on to the football? You (laughs) got to know your personnel. KYP, that's what we say. Know your personnel. Don't be a dummy. (laughs) Exactly. I guess you're the exasperation force. Emmett, can you please just hold on to the football? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those conversations are pretty interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to be mad, but I can't be too mad. Coming up, how would you feel if the Cardinals would take the approach that the Blues have taken over the last couple of weeks? That's next on 101 ESPN. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. All right, we're going to hit this quickly, and then we're going to revisit it coming back uh, at 9 o'clock. And we want your mic drops at the app, the 101 ESPN app. You can leave your mic drop or send us a text. But, Kerry, I'm trying to find a baseball comp to what the Blues are doing right now. They have players that were going to walk out the door and move them and obviously have not been very good since they traded those players. Mm -hmm. And you would assume that a rebuild is going to take a year or two. There are a lot of people that get in touch with us on a daily basis that say the Cardinals need to tear it down. And I look at a comp baseball-wise, and I think it's the Detroit Tigers, who for many years, from 2010 through 2014, they were in the playoffs. At the start of 2015... The Tigers had a team that included Miguel Cabrera, Ian Kinsler, Nick Castellanos, Justin Upton, J.D. Martinez, uh, Victor Martinez, Justin Berlander, David Price, and Anabel Sanchez. Uh, they, they had that group. By the end of 2017, Cabrera was still there, a diminished Cabrera. Castellanos was still there since left, and Anabel Sanchez. And since then, since they got rid of those players, the Tigers have won 64 games, 64 and 98, 64 and 98, 47 and 114, 23 and 35 in the COVID season, then 77 and 85, 66 and 96 last year. As a Cardinal mm. fan, what would you think of the Cardinals' 
letting their stars walk, Goldschmidt, Arenado, et cetera, and building through youth. But you have to know there are no guarantees that you're going to win a championship, and you are going to suffer through some 60, 70, maybe even 40 win seasons. That's five. Was that five years, six years under 500? One, two, three, four, five. It's the last six years since they win 86 and 75 in 2016. Yeah, Randy, it would be mayhem. It would be, people would be, hair would be on fire. They would be losing their minds if the Cardinals win six seasons in a row, under 500, with no opportunity, no potential, no chance of making the playoffs, you know, trading away people, players that were were potentially not going to be re-signed as unrestricted Mm -hmm. free agents going into the next year. It it would be mayhem. People would would not, (laughs) they would not appreciate that at all. And we have a local apples to apples right Mm -hmm. now, and it'll be interesting to see how fans, in terms of purchasing tickets, in terms of purchasing gear, in terms of watching the games on TV, listening to the games on radio, react to the Blues going into a quote-unquote rebuild. Now, we don't know. Maybe they'll go out and get Timo Meyer and Jacob Chicker. Maybe they'll be a playoff team next year. But if things go as I expect them to go, I don't think they'll be a playoff team next year, and I think we will have to suffer through some growing pains with the franchise. I wonder if St. Louis fans, who have had a lot of winning with the Cardinals since 1996, and especially since Mo took over and since 2010, since the end of the 2010 season, the Cardinals have played, I believe it is, five games where they didn't have a chance to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Five. And the Blues obviously have had a tremendous level of success since 2009. So I wonder how St. Louis fans will react to losing. Are they going to buy in and say, this is interesting. I want to see the rebuild yeah. because of the intrigue that's presented by the end result. Are they going to say, I'm just going to wait until they get stars again and they're good? I think we'll know. Uh, who Was it Army that said August 15th was, was the date that yep. we would know what this team would be going into next year? I think that's a good date. I think going knowing whether or not we draft, use all of that draft capital and actually draft players, if they use all of those draft picks and draft players, it's a rebuild. It's going to be some time. It's, it's a two, three-year process. If they trade away some of those picks to bring in established players uh, uh, like a Timo Meyer or, or, or uh, Jacob Chikrin, somebody like that, then you can say, okay, they're, they're, they're fast-tracking this rebuild and it's going to get done and potentially this could be a playoff team you know, next season. But I think that's really going to tell you whether or not they are, are rebuilding for two to three years or if it's going to be a, a quick rebuild. And by the way, before you text in and say, well, hockey has a salary cap and baseball doesn't, the Cardinals do have a budget, which yes. is a self-imposed salary cap. Yes. So even though you might think, okay, baseball doesn't have one, and you're right, they don't, the Cardinals do because they run their business that way. So the question is, would you be on board with the Cardinals moving on from their stars for a rebuild like the Blues, or would you rather have the stars around? That's basically the question we're asking here on 101 ESPN. Carrie, Randy, 816, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We're going to talk to John Kelly, the TV voice of the Blues, about where this team is headed next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. With 
Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line into the Blues booth where the TV voice of the Blues, John Kelly, joins us. Blues and Canucks open a three-game Blues homestand tonight at Enterprise Center. J.K., good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. And you have been, uh, you've had to watch rebuilds before, and hopefully this will be quicker than, than not. But for the rest of this season, John, what intrigues you about the Blues? Well, I think there are a lot of things, and, and Randy, you know, I know that we, we often say on the air and on, on shows like this that there's a lot to prove, but there certainly is individually and for, for the St. Louis Blues team. Um, specifically, you know, we've seen in the last three games Robert Thomas's line um, going up against top units from the other club, and quite honestly, in the last game, his line was minus three, and even Robert admitted after the game that, that his line needed to be better. So, you know, players are put in different positions, and and now you see how they react to those positions. Um, And it's not just Robert Thomas and his line. Other players are getting more responsibility, more ice time, things like that. So, you know, it's, it's to try to find how the comfort level of all these players. At the same time, when you have young players like, Alexandrov coming up and and showing what he can do and Jake Neighbors before he got hurt, you're giving these players invaluable experience and ice time. So there there truly is a lot for this team to gain in the last you know 25 games or so. Hey John, on the broadcast the other night, you uh, mentioned that the the Blues were minus 17 in the second period. What what seems to be the problem in the second period? Because last year they had good second periods. It's it's been a factor and an issue all season long. You know, I don't think there's really a whole lot to it, quite honestly. Um, you know, both teams have the long change and, you know, the ice surface is the same and things like that, obviously. I really don't know. Um, so that that's one that maybe the coaches can answer, but I really think it's a bit of a statistical flaw, if you will, or um, I, I just don't know exactly. I don't think there's a really hard reason why in, in one particular period that you have such a goal differential that is is not in line with the other periods. So I I don't think there's any real rhyme or reason why it's happened this year. Hey, John, we get to hear Craig Bruby when he's on the microphone. You talk to him before every game, and I I was telling Kerry earlier, I don't think that there's a better guy in terms of demeanor to have a young club ascend. And we know what he did with the, the Chicago Wolves when he was a Blues minor league coach. But what are you getting when you talk to Berube before games? What's, what's your feeling about his ability to handle what he's about to traverse? Well, obviously it's uncharted territory for, for the coach as far as the head coach of the St. Louis Blues. And even when he coached the Flyers, he had a playoff team and and lost in the first round in seven games. So it's obviously a little bit different. But as you said, Randy, he was a coach in the minor leagues with the Blues Farm team in Chicago. So, you know, he's worked with young players before. And obviously some of the young players that have come up have done very well for the St. Louis Blues. I mean, their Stanley Cup year, Robert Thomas was was a rookie, and he played pretty much every single night and was a big reason why the Blues won the Stanley Cup. And, you know, a guy like Jordan Cairo has really grown as a hockey player in the last couple of years under Coach Berube. So I think overall, obviously, he's frustrated that the team is where it's at right now, but he understands the situation. Um, but certainly is, is, to me, I consider him a player's coach. And, you know, he's, he's as honest as the day is long. I love talking to him. 
and uh, he doesn't pull any punches. So I, I think he is holding up all right. But again, it's it's tough on everyone when when we think and everyone else thinks, Randy, that coming into the season that the Blues have a really good team and are a contender. And now certainly they're not, and and they're having to sell parts and things like that. So uh, certainly Bruby and the coaches are certainly frustrated with where they are. Hey, John, there have been some, obviously the trade deadline still about a week away. There have been some players that have been talked about, rumored to to maybe the Blues have been interested in. Any thoughts on Timo Meyer uh, in a trade this year or potentially as a free agent going into next year? Well, he's a very good player, number one. I, I think that he fits into the mold of the type of player that if the Blues were to make a move for another player, that 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 he certainly would be a prime target um, because he does have term left in his contract. And, you know, Doug Armstrong was on record as saying that, uh, you know, he would be trying to target players 27, 28 years old or younger with term on their contract. So, you know, that's the one thing about acquiring assets, in particular first-round draft choices. You never know. You could package a couple of, of first-rounders and, you know, a young player or whatever or a prospect to get a top-end player like a Timo Meyer. And, you know, if you read, you know, the Internet and, and the insiders in hockey, you know, they say the Blues are in on Timo Meyer. Obviously, Doug's not going to talk about that. Number one, he can't. It's tampering. Um, number two, he's not going to tell us what he's thinking. But obviously, you know, if you read, you know, and believe what you do read about Timo Meyer, the Blues are, are taking a shot at it. But I, I don't know. It's it's obviously a tough trade to make right now. Um, but either way, the Blues do have more assets, and that's a good thing. Hey, John, one other thing from me, and that's in regards to how we react. And we in St. Louis, because it was the first Stanley Cup championship, we really savored that championship. But when you look at some of the teams that have been to the finals, Vegas has had to rebuild and they'll take another shot. Nashville after losing to Pittsburgh, San Jose after losing to Pittsburgh, uh, the Rangers after losing to the Kings. It's so fragile when you get to a final and when you win. You really do need to savor the good times in sports, don't you? Well, especially nowadays, Randy, as as you guys know, since 2004, they've had the hard salary cap, and it's just so hard to retain the top players. That's just the bottom line. And, you know, what Chicago did winning three cups in a span of, of five years and what Tampa Bay has done winning back-to-back cups and last year going to the final, that's really remarkable. And I think that is going to be the exception rather than the rule. And, you know, quite honestly, the Washington Capitals are are really in the same boat as the St. Louis Blues. Right now they're fighting for the playoff lives. But I believe they might have uh, the oldest team in the league or one of the very oldest teams in the league. And I know they've dealt with a lot of injuries this year, um, but they're a team that obviously is going to have to rebuild very, very soon. And obviously Ovechkin, even though he's still a great goal scorer, is certainly getting up there in age. So, you know, the bottom line is it's really hard with the cap to keep your championship teams together. And that's the challenge for, you know, has been the challenge for the Blues, and it, it will be for other championship teams going forward. J.K., always good to have you with us. We'll be tuned in tonight. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks, guys. That is the great TV voice of your St. Louis Blues, John Kelly here on 101 ESPN. By the way, CD, I mentioned that he's been through it before. When the Blues came out of the lockout in 2004, I think it was 2005, 2006. Let me get the exact year for you. 2005, 2006, 
that team went 21-46 and 15 for only 57 points. They were last in their division, 21-46. and 46, And that was just not a very good hockey team. So John has had to deal with that in the past. It's tough. It's tough to, to talk about it, you know, every day, mm-hmm. every time you're watching it. And it's tough as a player to be a part of that when it's not going well because you really want to get out of that, that rut. But, you know, finding the way to get out is always uh, can be a little bit difficult. And there's something to be said to me for being able to make the playoffs and be in the playoffs every year and experience the emotion of the playoffs. Nine out of ten years before this year, the Blues have made the playoffs, and the year they missed, they lost on the last stage of the season mm-hmm. to Colorado. So they, were, so they were right there at the end of that season, too. It's been a really nice run for the St. Louis Blues under Doug Armstrong. We need a fighter for the fight, don't we? Yes, we do. Because if you're going to have a fight, you need to have two. I can't fight myself. I am not Brad Thompson. No. So, or Kerry Davis. Or Kerry Davis. That's, it has <laughs> happened. So, uh, yeah, get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO. And just use the word fight, and perhaps you'll fight me here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight in the red corner, average Joe listener, and in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive, please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Mike. Mike, how you doing? Good. How are you guys this morning? Doing well. You ready to roll? Play this game with fear and ignorance, right? <laughs> Let's get to it. All right. On this day in 1985, Bobby Knight was ejected from a game versus Purdue when he threw what object onto the court? Was it a water cooler, a Purdue fan, or a chair? Chair. All right. When Ed Tutal Jones left the Cowboys after the 1978 season, which professional sport did he participate in for the 79 season before returning to the NFL in the Cowboys in 80? Was that professional basketball, professional boxing, or professional wrestling? Boxing. What team did St. Louis native, MVP, and 12-time All-Star Elston Howard win his fourth World Series with? Was it the New York Yankees, the L.A. Dodgers, or the Cincinnati Reds? The Yankees. All right. And Danny Ainge is just one of a handful of athletes to play in both the MLB and NBA. Which which MLB team did he play for? Was it the Boston Red Sox, the Toronto Blue Jays, or the Detroit Tigers? Can you repeat that player's name again? Danny Ainge is just one of a handful of athletes who, which, uh, to play in both the MLB and NBA. Which MLB team did he play for? The Boston Red Sox, the Toronto Blue Jays, or the Detroit Tigers? The Blue Jays. All right, we'll double check the score and go get Randy. Mike, how you feeling? Pretty good, actually. Pretty good. You said you play the game with fear and and, and ignorance. ignorance. Is that what you said? Okay, uh, that's a that's a great combination. I think you may have found the the combo that actually works. There, Mike. Well, we'll we'll see. You know, even if you get them all right, you got to beat them another time. It's possible, Mike. Say, uh, Randy, say hello to Mike. Mike, good morning. How you doing? Good, Randy. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. Great. No problem. Thanks. All right, Randy. Here we go. Okay. On this day in 1985, Bobby Knight was ejected from a game versus Purdue when he threw what object on the court? A chair. 
across the court. Yeah. He did. Yeah. To a little lady who needed a chair. Oh, he's a little lady who needed a chair. Randy, when Ed Tutal Jones retired, or excuse me, left the Cowboys after the 78 season, which professional sport did he participate in in 1979 and early 1980 before returning to the Cowboys in 19 and before the 1980 season? Tutal became a boxer. A boxer. All right, Randy, what team did St. Louis native, MVP, and 12-time All-Star Elston Howard win his fourth World Series with? I think he wound up going to the Orioles. He was with the Yankees, and I think he went to Baltimore. I'll do the lifeline just in case. New York Yankees? Started there. L.A. Dodgers? Or Cincinnati Reds? Uh, Elston Howard, so it was not the Orioles. Um... Can you read the question again, please? Which team did St. Louis native, MVP, and 12-time All-Star Elston Howard win his fourth World Series with? Fourth World Series. For all for, win, win his with four World his Series. His four World Series with. Apologies. Yankees. Sorry about that. And Danny Ainge is just one of a handful of athletes to play in both the MLB and NBA. Which MLB team did, did Danny Ainge play for? Uh, his MLB team was the Toronto Blue Jays. He played third base. All right, there's something in the water today because both of you breezed four correct. Both you and Mike breezed four correct like it was nothing today. Ran right through it. I thought I, I thought I picked some eclectic weird ones and apparently just the easiest fight we've ever seen before between these two. So, Mike, we're going to go to our tiebreaker. I think we got a good one here. The rules are we, we say the question. Randy gets a moment to write down his answer. You say your answer audibly. And then we see who the winner of the fight is based on Randy's answer that he wrote down before yours. Mike, do you understand the rules to the tiebreaker? Yep, got it. All right. Randy, do you have your piece of paper? Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. In Mark- Jones Dome piece of paper. There you, go. there you go. Still going. In Mark <laughs> McGuire's final season, over half of his total hits were home runs. In his 299 at-bats, how many home runs did Mark McGuire hit in his final season? Randy put up his number. Mike, what is your guess? I'll say 17. This was an absolutely, unbelievably close fight. Like I said, they both got four right, but we had to go to the tiebreaker where we did, in fact, get a clean winner. Did Randy survive a four-question answer for Mike, or is Mike rolling on and playing on a Friday? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Mike, I'm sorry. On your guest, you, Just had, win, you had 17. <laughs> Randy Carricker guessed 32. Mike, Mark McGuire had 56 total hits and 29 home runs to 27 non-hits. So Randy Carricker, just a little bit closer to the pin against you, Mike. But that was an impressive fight. Getting four right is always extremely, extremely hard. Nope. Appreciate the chance, guys. No problem. Let's go through those answers. You know them all already, but Bobby Knight threw a chair across an object. The only time he threw a fan was an Indiana fan who called, who said, hey, Knight, and he was not very happy about that <laughs> one. When Ed Tutal Jones reti- left the Cowboys in 78, he was a boxer for a few months in late 78 and early, eight, or 79 and early 80. Great he reach. went 6-0. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and I'm guessing the reach had a reason for it. And which MLB team, or which team did St. Louis native MVP and 12-time All-Star Elston Howard win his four World Series with? 
with. It was all with those New York Yankees before he came back to St. Louis to play a couple seasons. And Danny Ainge is just one of a handful of athletes to play in both the MLB and NBA. He played a lot of second base for the Toronto Blue Jays before playing a lot of years in the NBA. So a 4-4 tie went to the tiebreaker. And again, Mark McGuire in his final season, 56 total hits, 29 home runs, 27 non-home runs. Randy wins again. Mike, thank you so much for joining the fight. Thank you so much for joining the show. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Take care, Mike. You too. That is Mike with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, St. Louis City SC will start their inaugural season Saturday night in Austin. And we're going to talk to their center back and vice captain, Tim Parker, next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We built this city on rock and roll. Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker, and the very first game in the history of St. Louis City SC will be Saturday night in Austin, 7.30. You can see it free on Apple TV. And one of the key performers for City, Tim Parker, joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Tim Parker, thanks for your time, and happy birthday. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, thank you very much. Okay, we got to start with this. One, two, three. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Tim. Happy birthday to you. There you go. <laughs> thank you, guys. Thank you. <laughs> How excited are you about Saturday? Uh, I'm really excited. You know, I think it's a it's a big moment for the city and for the club. So, um, the excitement around the facility this week has been. Uh, has been very, very high. Hey, Tim, you're a veteran, been been doing this soccer thing for a number of years. Uh, what has this experience been like with an, with an expansion franchise, really getting their start and, and kind of seeing it from the ground up, seeing how it's all being put together? Yeah, it's, it's definitely been something different than I've done in my, my career, um, the whole expansion side of things. But it, it gives you kind of a, a fresh new look at everything in terms of the excitement of you get to see kind of how everyone around the club is so excited for the opportunity, and and that gives you a new look on it and a fresh new feeling as well. And Tim, you had an opportunity to work with Bradley Carnell with New York Red Bulls. How much of what you guys did there is being applied here, and has it made the transition a little bit easier for you? Yeah, it's it's definitely made the transition a little bit easier just in terms of uh, me knowing Brad Pryor, just like you said, kind of the relationship that we had um, and the understanding that we have within one another. But the style, the style isn't going to be um, exactly how Red Bull plays, but we definitely have um, taken little bits and pieces from how we used to play at Red Bull and have applied it here. We talked to Lutz about that style, and, and he talked about maybe more of a pressing style, more, more uh, keeping up the pace, and if the opponent has the ball, he won't have it for very long. How does that impact you as a center back, and, and, and how tiring is that style of play for you all? Um. Yeah, you know, it's it's definitely a fun style to play as a defender. Um, you find yourself in a lot of uh, 1v1 situations, duels, and um, sometimes that might intimidate guys, but at the same time, it's a lot of fun to play that way when uh, when you're able to gain confidence and kind of take advantage of those opportunities. And I know that uh, most athletes like to play a more aggressive style. What about you? Are, are you a fan of uh, the, the, the more aggressive play that uh, the city will employ? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I think uh, kind of like I said, it gives you it gives you a lot of confidence in terms of uh, 
being able to, to do those kind of things that are asked of you. And then athletically, um, as long as you have the right traits, I think you can, uh, you can do really well. Now, Tim, first game in a couple of days. How, how excited are you to – I mean, it's, I understand the weight and the amount of time that it takes, but how excited are you to get this season rolling and, and get your first game in as a, as a St. Louis City member? Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited. I think um, the whole group is really. For a lot of these guys, it's going to be um, kind of their first MLS game. So um, I'm excited for them to kind of get their feet wet in the league. And then obviously I'm really excited for when we get to come home the following week and uh, have our home debut. Yeah, and we'll get to the home game in just a moment. But here you are. You're you're turning 30 today. You mentioned there's a lot of guys that are making their MLS debuts. You've been an MLS captain with Houston. How much have you taken it it upon yourself, Tim, to try to develop chemistry and kind of get everybody, all the players, on the same page? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I've definitely been around the league a little while, so I think it's important for me to kind of share those experiences with these guys. Um. But yeah, you know, I think in terms of getting on the same page, this league is is unlike any other, I'd like to say, just because of the chaos of it, honestly, in terms of how anyone can beat anyone on any given week. And I think for us, that's a big that's a big point for us is to know that we're going to be we're going to be able to be in every game and that if we kind of have our identity and we play to that identity, we're going to do really well. Now, Tim, you're you're a New York guy, Uh, Hicksville, New York. That's Long Island area, correct? Yes, sir. Uh, so you all you all do pizza there. Have have you had a chance to have any St. Louis style Emos pizza here? I haven't yet. Um, I, I have I have been told by some fellow New Yorkers that or some fellow Northeasterners that it's very very different than to, to New York pizza. <laughs> you're you're, you're sure. so kind. <laughs> I'm not sure how I'm going to feel about it. To be honest. Well, some people here from St. Louis don't like it, and I enjoy it. You got to go to the right one. Uh, we'll we'll try to get you squared yeah. away. Just let me know when when you're ready. We'll, we'll get you squared away with the right pizza place to to make sure you get your St. Louis experience done the right way. <laughs> All right. Yes, that sounds good, guys. So, and you know what, uh, Tim? It's uh, we've got some really good New York style pizza here. We'll say this about St. Louis style pizza. It's an acquired taste. It is right? indeed. <laughs> so, hey, uh, you guys are making it. You guys are making it sound really appetizing. <laughs> well, well, we plan on. We'll have you on after you've had emos too. We'll we'll, there you go. Get, we'll do this. Okay. Have you allowed yourself to think about what it's going to be like? Because you do know that this is a soccer crazy town. Have you allowed yourself to think about what it's going to be like to step on that pitch for the first time when you play here a week from Saturday? yeah yeah i mean i i think in our last tune-up game against atlanta um we got to play in the stadium so we definitely started to imagine what it would be like with fans there and how crazy it's going to be and i mean i'm really looking forward to it you know i think i haven't played in front of a, a packed stadium in a little while so i'm really really looking forward to that you talked about the stadium what is the the, the difference i know the stadium in in st louis has been put together they've been working on it for a long time it's it's one of the nicer facilities what have you seen from that stadium just in your experience in, in the short limited time that you've had there yeah it, it it's, it's just a really really well thought out stadium you know i think uh the first time i got got the chance to kind of get the tour of it um the facilities for the players are great but at the same time the fans i think have a great experience there in terms of um everything that's available to them so I know my my parents are really excited to come to uh, to that opening weekend and see see what it's all about. 
It should be amazing. Tim, congratulations on getting through everything up until this opener on Saturday night. That'll be so much fun. And then we'll see you here in St. Louis at City Park the week after that. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. That is Tim Parker. He is a center back and vice captain of St. Louis City SC. And and the birthday boy. And the birthday boy. And here we go. Isn't it amazing? I mean, we've been talking about this for so long. Oh we talked to Carolyn about it the right other here. day. And I, I remember the press conference when they got things started over at Matthews Dickey and the press conference to announce that we've been awarded a franchise. And lo and behold, here we are with a franchise, a new team that's going to play. And in my lifetime, because I, I was four when the blues started play. So we didn't we haven't had a major league expansion team here since the blues started play in 67-68. So this is really different for pretty much everybody in yeah. St. Louis. Yeah, it's going to be a great experience. I, I think, you know, we've had Lutz on, we had Carolyn on. Uh hopefully we get Tim back more. It, it's going to be fun because St. Louis truly is a soccer city. I mean, they there there are so many clubs here. It's so important for these kids that that they play soccer and they play it well. I think it's going to be a packed house every single every single home game. I I don't expect anything less. No matter what the record is because I know how much St. Louis loves playing soccer and how much they love the game of soccer. It's going to be a lot of people there. And here's the other thing about us is we just love to show the world that we're a great sports town. Indeed. Right? It, yep. We, we, whatever the sporting event is, we love to show the world that we're a great sports town. Yes, indeed. I think my biggest takeaway from that interview, other than, than, than him being excited to be challenged every day on the back line with, because of this, this scheme, is when he t- talked about the MLS's chaos. I don't know about you guys, but the way he described it, I don't know if... I don't know if I'm so worried about that 13th, 14th place. If anybody can win any game, I'm, yeah. I'm a little interested now. I'm a little intrigued. Any given Saturday. Yeah, indeed. Yep. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's, let's, let's upside KC a couple times. That'd make me really happy. Coming up, we want to hear from you. What would you think if the Cardinals would take the same approach that the Blues are taking? And the Blues had to with O'Reilly and Tarasenko. They were going to walk out the door as free agents. But a lot of people like the idea of rebuilding and trying to accomplish what the Baltimore Orioles have accomplished, what the Texas Rangers have accomplished, what uh, the, the Kansas City Royals have accomplished. So... Is that the direction you'd like to see the Cardinals go to? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the Opening Drive. It's time for today's Big Thing. It is 9.02 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And the question of the day here is, would you like to see the Cardinals employ a similar approach to what the Blues have done and divest themselves of their biggest stars? And obviously the Blues were pretty much forced into it because Vladimir Tarasenko and Orion O'Reilly were headed towards free agency and the Blues were going to lose them without getting any assets back in return. They got a ton of assets in trading those two guys. And now the Blues are going to they're going to struggle for a while. That would be the reasonable prediction. Yeah. So, Kerry, over the years, there have been a lot of people that said the Cardinals don't win enough World Series, and they would like to see the Cardinals go to the bottom of the standings mm-hmm. and try to retool the way the Baltimore Orioles have. Or the, uh, what's, uh, I guess the Kansas City Royals are a team. They made some trades at the end. Uh, people, I don't know why this is. People seem to forget 
that the Houston Astros went out and they signed Charlie Morton as a free agent. They traded for Justin Verlander. They signed to Josh Reddick. They signed Carlos Beltran. They traded for Brian McCann. Their success was not primarily because of the fact that they had a lot of top draft choices. As a matter of fact, they had two draft choices. Number one overall that never made it to the majors. A pitcher mm-hmm. named Mark Capel, another pitcher named Brady Aiken. They did do well in drafting Carlos Correa. They did do well in drafting Alex Bregman. But otherwise, that team was not built. Be, uh, the, their success was not predicated upon the fact that they were so bad for such a long time. Mm-hmm. The only team that's really been able to succeed with going to the bottom and then building back up, and it happened after 30 years, was the Royals in 2015. So my question is, would you like to see the Cardinals be able to go to the bottom and miss the playoffs for a lot of years and then make the playoffs, but still not win the World Series? Or would you rather have them take the approach now where they have a bunch of stars? Well, if you're going to give fans those two options, those are two terrible options, right? According to them. Because they, they, we get a lot of complaints about not having the playoff success or not having the World Series success, and I don't think anybody would choose the 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 fact of going six seasons, as you talked about the Detroit Tigers mm-hmm. earlier, going six seasons without having a record above five hundred. You're just showing up to the ballpark just to show up. At that point, you have no. Uh, no reason to believe that they're going to win if if that's the way that they're going about their business. I would hate it because I think that when I think of the Cardinals, I, I say this all the time, I, I compare them to the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, an organization that always is playing for championships, always playing to get in the playoffs for an opportunity to play for a championship. And that's all you can ask for is the opportunity to get to the playoffs to, to have a playoff run and potentially end your season with a, with a, uh, with a, with a trophy. That's what we play for. So, I don't think any of the fans would want to go the route that the Blues have had to go the last few weeks of trading away some of their best players to kind of reset and restart. It's not something that I think Cardinals fans would would it would sit well with them. Let me just run back here the teams that have had the number one pick in the draft, the teams that have absolutely tanked. Okay, last year was the Orioles. Year before that, the Pirates. No World Series. Tigers, no World Series. Orioles, no World Series. Tigers, no World Series. Twins, no World Series. Phillies uh, took Mickey Moniak, didn't go to the World Series because of their drafting. I would say not at all. Diamondbacks didn't uh, haven't gone to the World Series. The Astros did have Aiken and Appel. That was the drafts in 2014, 2013. And they took Carlos Correa with the first pick in 2012. So they did win a World Series with a player that was drafted by them with the first overall pick. Pirates, Garrett Cole. Nationals, Harper and Strasburg, one without Harper, and Strasburg was still there. And then before that, Rays, Rays, Royals, they took Luke Hoshevar. He was not a key part of them winning the World Series. Diamondbacks in 2005, Padres, Rays, Pirates, Twins, Marlins, Rays, Phillies. Those are the teams that have had the number one pick in the draft that have tanked since the turn of the century. Hasn't hasn't bode well for him. Yeah, really. So, Randy, we get a text from the three one four CD. The we are in the worst division in baseball. Getting to the playoffs doesn't hold water. Randy, answer me. I'm I'm not sure Mm -hmm. of these these things. Can you win a World Series if you don't get into the playoffs? No, I don't think so. They don't they don't award that. It's not an off season award where you can be awarded the championship later. After everyone else is done playing. Carrie, you got to get there to win yeah. it, right? Last year, the National League team that made the playoffs with the fewest wins was the 
Philadelphia Phillies. They were in the World Series. Year before that, the National League playoff team with the fewest wins was the Atlanta Braves. They won the World Series. You need to get into the tournament, and then everything else is unpredictable. Let's get a mic drop from Steve here on 101 ESPN. Uh, I wouldn't feel great about it, but also MLB and NHL trades are a little different, so MLB doesn't trade in draft picks generally, I don't think, right? I can't even remember a trade that involved draft picks because the draft isn't as, I don't want to say impactful, not as big a deal in the MLB. So I don't know. I mean, it would look a lot different. I'm not sure. It'd probably be a lot more maddening if the Cardinals took this approach because they wouldn't be getting back future picks. I suppose they'd be getting back actual prospects who are already on teams. But still, is the return as high as what the Blues have been seeing because they're just draft picks? That'll turn into prospects? I don't know. That's a good point, and it is a roll of the dice. The prospects that Washington got for Juan Soto may or may not turn out Mm -hmm. to be great. Essentially what you're doing when you trade a superstar player in Major League Baseball for minor league players, unless you're trading for a Jordan Walker, and even then many times, ordinarily, think about this. Think about buying a lottery ticket, Mm -hmm. and you hope that the lottery ticket pays off big time. But that's what you're doing when you trade a superstar for prospects in Major League Baseball. And also, I think basketball and football are really the only two sports where you can trade and get draft picks in return and probably have more of an immediate impact the following season with those with those draft picks. If you get a top 10 draft pick in the in the NFL or NBA, you are pretty sure that that guy is going to yeah. be playing significant amount of time and and going to be a a someone that's going to help your team hopefully get wins the following season. And it really is hard to get impact after the first half of the first round in hockey and in baseball yeah. because the players are so dramatically and, differentiated. And, and then they have to go, most of them, go through the minor leagues. Like yep. They're going to take some, you know, a year, two years, maybe three years before they're actually ready to play at that NHL or MLB level. Yeah, and by, by the way, I, I asked John Kelly, I'll tell you, I, I'm intrigued by watching the Blues because I have confidence in... Doug Armstrong identifying talent and then the Blues developing that talent. The Cardinals will never do this because Mr. DeWitt cares too much about having big-time players on his team that can help Mm -hmm. the team get to the playoffs. They will not have a scenario in which it's going to be a bunch of prospects and you aren't going to have the Arenados or Contreras' or Goldschmidt's of the world. That's just not going to happen with the Cardinals. But I would say that even though I might be intrigued by some of the young players and doing something like like that, I don't believe the masses will be intrigued enough to spend a lot of money to come and watch a team that's winning 72 games. Right. Randy, earlier we got a text that said we, we, we need to give fans more credit for being long-term, big-picture thinkers. We just got a text that says, no, do not change anything with the Cardinals except for the talent scouts and evaluation team. That's where the problems are. Okay. So how did they get to this good of a point? If there aren't any problems with the roster, how did we get this good of a roster if the entire problem is the evaluation team? And as, I don't understand how yeah. you how you can like if yeah. if you think that there's a problem with the evaluation team, then logic dictates and that there's a structural issue in how this team has been built. And the Cardinals have changed their evaluation process because of primarily the Randy Arozarena trade. We mentioned it earlier with Greg Amsinger. If you weren't listening, shame on you. But in MLB's top 100 players right now, the list that will be completed tonight, Adolis Garcia is their number 99 player. The Cardinals got rid of him for nothing. 
Uh, also on that list are number 13, uh, Sandy Alcantara, Zach Gallen, and a Rosarena. So you, you've got four top 100 players that were in the Cardinal system that they have nothing to show for. Gallen, Alcantara, a Rosarena, Garcia. So the evaluation in bringing the players into the organization was solid. Yes. The evaluation in sending them out of the organization nah, was not. Not so much. No. I, I think the, I, I believe the Cardinals have done a great job. I think they do a great job of evaluating, developing, you know, scouting, evaluating, and developing players um, to be professional baseball players. I think when you look at their the top 100 prospects, the Cardinals always have players on that list. They are always, you know, top tier in, in their ability to scout and evaluate some of that is also on the players, Randy. At some point, when you are uh, evaluated or scouted to be such a great player, you have to have a t- you have to go out there and actually show <laughs> what everyone mm-hmm. believes that you have in you. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. That can't fall solely on the scout or the person making that evaluation. Exactly. exactly. Let's get one more mic drop, and Steve joins us on 101 ESPN. Or Neil, Neil is going to be with us. Question is, why are you rebuilding? What is the goal of the rebuild? The goal is to get to a winning culture and keep it that way forever, not to rebuild, not this cyclical uh, traction that we have that we're going to now. We have failed as a hockey team right now to maintain an open window. We had what it took to win it all, and we let it strategically filter away from us. Yes, that's accurate. 100%. The Blues and hindsight being 2020, but losing Petrangelo wound up being a lot bigger deal. And replacing Petrangelo with Krug Mm -hmm. wound up being a lot bigger deal than Doug Armstrong thought it would be. And Blues have suffered other losses, some of them out of their control. Bo Meester, Alexander Steen retiring. Some of them, the in the injuries to uh, people like Sunquist, uh, having a guy because of the cap like Jaden Schwartz walk away. There were a lot of departures here that were out of the Blues' control and in their control, and it has not worked out, obviously, to be what they hoped that it would be. But that being said, again, I'll go back to the fact that this is a guy in Doug Armstrong that traded Patrick Berglund and Vladimir Saboka and Tage Thompson and a first-rounder for Ryan O'Reilly, who wound up being the Consumite Trophy winner. He traded Yori Laterra and a couple of picks to get a guy like Braden Chen, who's an absolute stud. I think the Blues do a really good job. And in terms of the culture, you're right, Neil, about the culture with the Cardinals, because I'll reiterate this again. And I get, if you're 11... You don't remember the Cardinals winning probably anything. Not. So you probably say, if you're 11 years old, the Cardinals never win yeah. anything. Yeah. I, I understand that. Since the end of the 2010 season, however, the Cardinals, carry have played four regular season games in which they didn't have a chance to make the postseason. That is a good culture. How many times have they made the postseason in, since 2010? Uh, they've made it... Uh, how many times have they 10, not made 13? They, they missed it three. Uh, 16, 17, 18. They missed it three go. since the end of the 2010 so, season. So in, those, in, those, in all of those other years, you had an opportunity, one of which you did win a World Series, to actually win a World Series. And went to another one. And, and went to another one. That, that, you can't win if you're not in. And now, do the Cardinals need to do a better job of finishing or, or playing better in the playoffs once they get in? Yes. Making it to the playoffs is not the issue. You 
you want them to get out of the first round. You want mm-hmm. them to get into the, the NLCS and, and win the NLCS and make it to the World Series. It's not going to happen every year, but I understand the, the frustration in terms of not winning enough playoff series to continue to keep going on in that particular year. That's the part that we should be talking about, not, oh, we're just a play. No, we are a playoff team. Let's play better in the playoffs. But here's the, here's the thing, Randy. Who knew that Ryan Helsley wasn't going to be able to fill his finger? Did you know that? I did not know that. No. I don't think Ollie knew no. that either. I don't think he put him out there knowing this man can't fill his finger and he's going to be throwing the ball every which way. Those things happen. Again, that's on the player. That's an incident where he gets hurt in the last regular season game, hurts, his, jams his finger, and and no one thinks that this is going to hold, uh, uh, going to be an issue come playoff time. In the, one of the biggest moments in the playoffs, and the whole but seri- it was. Right. The whole series, it's a best of three. The whole series changes exactly. because of that exactly. thing. Even if the Cardinals didn't hit, they still would have, they, they had a couple of runs. They would have won that game Correct. if Helsley is healthy. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. That's today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Jeremy Rutherford. Man, he's been prolific at the Athletic lately. We're going to talk to him about that next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Off to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and our buddy Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider from The Athletic, joins us. And uh, you were just telling Matthew that you're, uh, I mentioned that you are very prolific at The Athletic before the break, and the the numbers bear it out. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, he got me he Got me pretty good, Randy. Uh, I told him that uh, we usually write about 18, 20 stories a month, and I think I'm up to about 26. And he said, imagine if they were good. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is what makes it. And by the way, if if they were great, we wouldn't have had a story like the Ryan O'Reilly story that you wrote about that happened right before the trade, which is a, a fantastic story. I urge everybody that has access to The Athletic to read the story. If you don't have access to The Athletic, get access to The Athletic. But again, what uh, an amazing human being Ryan O'Reilly is. Yeah, you're talking about a story uh, we put out yesterday. And, and so the Blues social media team did a great job of capturing Ryan O'Reilly uh, taking a young kid. It was his make-a-wish uh, dream, five-year-old Hank Walker. And this was the day that he was traded. So I'm, I'm flipping through Twitter just like anybody, and I see these pictures and videos of Ryan out on the ice and taking him back to the locker room. And I'm thinking to myself, this is the Ryan O'Reilly I've known for four years. You know, he really takes a liking to young kids, and, and of course that goes back to uh, his family fostering so many young kids. And I thought to myself, I want to do something on this. So I got a hold of uh, young Hank Walker's mom, and I spoke to her for about a half hour a couple nights ago, and she took me through the day uh, blow by blow, all the details of things that Ryan said, uh, trying to uh, support and encourage her young son, Hank, and then also just the gear that the Blues gave him, so on and so forth. So the last few hours of Ryan O'Reilly's days in St. Louis were spent with a young five-year-old just making his dream come true. Hey, hey, JR, losing uh, the captain, obviously, and a, and a player that has been, you know, so meant so much to this team and to this city, how, how has that really impacted this team? Is this what's going on on the ice, just not having him out there, uh, causing them to, to struggle in the manner in which they have been? Yeah, I think even though players know that it's coming, and you could say this with uh, any sport, I still think there's a little bit of shell shock. And I think we were talking to Braden Shen yesterday at his locker, and 
we were talking about the 0-3 record since the O'Reilly trade, and he said, well, that first one against uh, Colorado that the next day, you're still kind of in a little bit of shock. And then, then you got to go back-to-back playing Ottawa. You're still kind of feeling that. And then uh, this last game against Carolina, obviously a tough team. They started to play a little bit of a better game, but still in three games now, Kerry outscored 15-4. to I think Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo combine uh, just one assist between the two of them, and that's not the point to finger at them, but obviously they're going to have to step up in the wake of what's going on here with, with all the trades. Uh, so I think you look out on the ice, and it's a patchwork lineup, and we all knew that was coming once they made these moves. Uh, but the Blues are just going to have to suck it up. And like Craig Bruby keeps saying, uh, you've got a job to do, go out and play. So they get another chance to do that tonight against Vancouver. JR, would you anticipate that there are more moves to come? At least one, I would think, with Barbashev, but maybe even some buying before the deadline. Is that a possibility? Yeah, I think there's still a couple options that could happen. The number one thing that seems pretty obvious is Ivan Barbashev moving him. You know, I've mentioned that I think probably what's taken this one a little bit longer than the O'Reilly and Tarasenko moves is that Doug Armstrong really wants to get a first rounder out of Barbashev too. And you know, if teams are going to balk at that up until the wire, you know, maybe he gets it or maybe he doesn't. The other one that's kind of flown under the radar, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. But is there a team out there that needs a, a Thomas Grice? The Blues have signed Joel Holfer to a one-way contract so he'll have a chance to compete for the backup spot next year and do you give him some games down the stretch here for st louis you could make the argument that you keep him in springfield let him keep building himself uh, until next season but there's also an argument to get him up and and play some games but then the bigger picture it's uh can doug armstrong pull off a trade of a guy with term and when you you say that you're thinking about guys on the defensive end uh whether it be a a colton pareko a nick letty a tory krug I myself think any move like that would likely happen in the summer if it happens at all. Uh, but uh, a lot of speculation, a lot of reports going around that, that Doug is trying to move one of those guys before the trade deadline. Hey, JR, I'm, a, I'm of the thought process that if the Blues do not trade away any of these draft picks and go and get a guy uh, this season or, or in the offseason, that they're probably going to draft those guys in the in the upcoming draft. And, and you're looking at a, a two- to three-year rebuild as opposed to if they trade them away, probably being ready to go and, and rebuilding in, in one year. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, definitely, Kerry, because here's the deal, and Doug Armstrong kind of said it the other day. Once you go to the draft and make those picks, your organization is going to be excited about those players for sure. You know, you just can't wait till they get here in, in two or three years. But teams like to make their own picks. So, you know, I think that if Doug Armstrong is able to uh, move some of these first-round picks, and let's say we had the story a couple of days ago about Timo Meyer, uh, if there's a fit there, if, if the Blues can get a contract with Meyer, if San Jose says, yeah, we'll take your – first two picks or we'll take uh, Zachary Bolduke, you know, then I think that's a situation where we know what Doug Armstrong's trying to do with this rebuild. It's pretty obvious. He's going out and getting a guy right there at 26 years old who's going to help come in and turn this thing around quicker. Uh, the one thing, you know, when we had that story a couple of days ago, people said that this defense is a mess and you can go out and get a team of Meyer, but it might not help you much with uh, revamping that defense. My answer to them was <laughs> – you can do both. You can do things simultaneously. If you have a market out there for a Colton Pareko uh, or somebody else on that defensive end, move them. And at the same time, that frees up some cap space where maybe you can go out and get somebody like Meyer. I don't mean to keep putting the eggs in that basket. I'm just using him as an example. And we actually connected those dots because of a couple of Frank Saravalli reports yesterday that Ottawa was interested in 
Pareko and that the Blues were interested in Meyer, to me, JR, from a cap standpoint, that would make sense. If you can pull it off, and there's a lot that would have to go into that, but you'd almost need to move one of those defensemen to be able to fit Meyer under next year's cap, right? Yeah, I think you have to. And here's the thing. So Frank uh, reported that Ottawa might be a team that's interested in, in Colton Preco. Um, he, he backed off that a little bit yesterday by saying that the Ottawa ownership change, they're going through a change right now. It's not going to get done before the March 3rd trade deadline. And he doesn't know. Just like in 2006, I believe it was, when the Blues were selling and changing ownership. Remember, they wanted to, to strip the roster down. And they made the great, smart decision to trade Chris Pronger, oh, right? Like, who would want him on the roster? Uh, so... <laughs> So, so that uh, I think Ottawa is looking at a situation where maybe they can't take on a contract with, with seven years left on it until they get uh, the new ownership in place. However, last night Ottawa trades a defenseman, Nikita Zetsov, uh, and he was owed six million dollars. Could that be a situation where Ottawa's freeing up cap money to make it basically a money for money situation where they've moved him to Chicago, and then now they? look into uh, Colton Preco and the Blues. Could be a possibility, but again, this is funny time of the year. All the speculation, 1% of it comes true, so we'll see what happens. JR, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask, JR, with, with O'Reilly being gone now, which player are you looking at to, to be the glue to, to hold this thing together down the stretch so it doesn't fall completely apart? I think the guy is uh, Braden Shen. He's the guy who I think has a really good shot at being the captain. Uh, I think Robert Thomas is certainly in that mix with uh, the status uh, he has on the team and also his age and uh, that contract coming up next year. But I do think uh, Braden Shen, he's got, uh, what, five years left on his deal at least. I think that he's been that glue guy for the past couple of years. I joked around with him yesterday when we were at his locker stall and I was looking at his uh, jersey. I said, is there some space right there on the chest there for the C? I, I, yeah, it looks like there's enough space there. So he kind of chuckled. And uh, But I think that he's going to be that type of guy for them. It's just a tough assignment, Kerry, as you know. Um, you know, here you got a situation where you look around the room and two big guys are off the roster and you got a lot of guys from the AHL and, and now Braden Shen is kind of saying, uh, you know, to himself, I've got to keep this group together for the last 25 games, even though we're not a playoff team, and just keep everybody going in the right direction. It's a pretty big challenge, but if there's anybody on that roster I think can handle that, it's definitely him. Jeremy, one last thing. My son used to work for a baseball website and told me that every year that the overwhelming majority of hits, even more than the championship, the World Series, it was the week before the trade deadline. Is that the way it is for you guys at The Athletic? Are people so interested in transactions that you get more business right now than you get at any other time of the year? It is unbelievable. I'll take you behind the scenes for a quick second. I know we're running out of time here, but uh, you could write a feature story about a Blues player situation, and maybe, maybe you get 10,000 view. Uh, that's what we call them, 10,000 views. And then I, I looked at the O'Reilly numbers from the trade the other day, Randy, and just that night, that Friday night when the trade was made to Toronto, just in a couple days' time, it was up to 45,000 views. So uh, that's definitely this time of year is, is where all the eyes are on the websites and on the phones trying to get the information, and, and so we're trying to uh, stay on top of it. But, yes, uh, that, that is correct. Uh, the trade deadline is one of the biggest times of the year. And we want people to check out your work at The Athletic. JR, always good to talk to you. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Anytime. Appreciate it. Have a good weekend. You too. See you later. That is Jeremy Rutherford. Coming up, the Battlehawks are in Seattle tonight. We're going to talk to their defensive lineman, Tani Tupo, next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
With Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. The Battle Hawks are in action tonight against the Seattle Sea Dragons. 8 o'clock St. Louis time on FS1. And as Matthew Rocchio mentioned, we are going to talk on the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line to Seahawks defense, or Battle Hawks rather, uh, defensive lineman Tani Tupo. Uh, Tani, thanks so much for the time with us today here on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Now, Tony, you all had a had a great win uh, sun, Sunday, eighteen to fifteen, uh, versus the San, Anto- San Antonio Brahmas. The everyone is talking about how the offense scored those touchdowns and was able to win that game, but no one is really talking about how you all held the Brahmas to fifteen points the entire game. What was that game like? That first game of the season, and how did you all hold them to just fifteen? Uh, first game of the season, you know, it was good. Um, we went out there, you know, mindset to win, uh, obviously. Uh, you know, first couple quarters, things didn't really go our way, but um, we still were able to keep it together and uh, finish strong. Um, but yeah, our defense came out, showed out, balled out, and um, we just knew, you know, at the end of this, at the end of the day, in this league, because of the, you know, the rules, you can't really sleep on teams. You know, you guys saw it firsthand in the last minute and a half. You know, you can always come back and win it. So it doesn't matter if you're down by, you know, two possessions, whatever it is. Like you always got to be on top of your A game and, you know, ready to just keep going. How exciting was that moment for you all, seeing uh, A.J. make the completion to Austin, scoring the touchdown, uh, and getting an opportunity to win the game in that fashion? How, how was that from a defensive perspective while you all were standing on the sideline watching it? Oh, we were so excited. We were so happy <laughs> for the boys. I mean, just to see them go out there and accomplish, you know, accomplish, you know, the job and get it done and then, um, as soon as that happened, we knew, you know, we had to go out there and seal the deal. And, um, you know, LaKeel London hit it home for us with the sack and done deal from there. Tani Tupo, Battlehawks defensive lineman with us on 101 ESPN. And, Tani, you've, you've bounced around in the NFL. And I know it's only one game in the XFL. But how different is the offensive line that you face in an XFL game, the Brahmas the other day, as opposed to what you face on a regular basis in the NFL? Um, I'd say, you know, it's still high-level competition. You know, obviously there's still, you know, there's a big difference between XFL and NFL. And um, I think that difference would probably be just me, um, be more of like that mental side, you know. A lot of the, the linemen in the NFL uh, have know all the little tips and tricks to things. Uh, whereas, um, you know, here in the XFL, you know, you don't really have, you know, the old uh, – salty vets and stuff that really know all the little dirty tricks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how much fun will it be for you? And, and you played for the Seattle Dragons in the XFL in 20, but you're also playing in your home area. You went to UW. How much fun is it going to be for you tonight to be playing there? Awesome. Uh, so much fun. I'm so excited. Uh, homecoming, you know, I spent the majority of my career here in, in the Pacific Northwest and I'm, I'm from the Northwest. So, you know, it's the hometown kid. I think I got 35 tickets oh, that awesome. are already that I you know I have already given out and then there's a whole bunch of other people that are coming too you know uh, my wife uh, is a is a first uh, first grade teacher here in the area her whole first grade class is coming so it's yeah everybody's everybody's coming <laughs> so Tony one thing you have to do with uh, you have to tell your wife today all of those people that are going to be there with you they have to understand that they have to yell Caw-caw! 
<laughs> because that's the Battlehawks battle cry. Our fans here in St. Louis, once you get into the Dome, you'll hear it loud and proud and very clear. All it is is a simple, okay? Everybody, all of yeah. your fans, I want there tonight. To, to, I want to be able to hear it on FS1. Yes, could cause loss. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. <laughs> hey, Tony, talk to me about Leroy Glover. He's a, a obviously a, a great football player in his own right. But to be your coach right now, what are some of the things you talk about the tricks in the trade that the offensive line have? Well, defensive linemen have some as well. What are some of the things that he's been able to teach you all since he's been coaching you? Uh, I think the biggest thing with him is just you know teaching everybody you know how to be a pro. You know what I mean? And, and everybody listens because it's 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 glove. You know what I mean? He's a he's a legend. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, even when I first found out that I was a defensive line coach, I was like, yo, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> Leroy Glover? Okay, yeah, let's go. You know what I mean? So everybody sits around, you know, sits and listens to every point that he has to say because he has so much knowledge. You know, not even not even just defensive line-wise, but just football and life. You know what I mean? He's been around the block. He's been there, done it. Um, and so just, you know, it's a blessing for us to be able to sit there and, and gain knowledge for somebody like that. Tony, I'm always intrigued by by players and because I was a former player, knowing who were some of the guys that you watched at your position growing up that you kind of modeled your game after. Um, who would I – I loved watching – I'm Polynesian, so I just – I loved watching uh, Haloti play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> even like the Kamoyatu brothers, you know what I mean? I'm, so I'm Tongan, so I loved – all the Tongan players that, that were out there in the NFL. So, Chris, Chris Kimuatu is my brother. We were Pittsburgh together. That's that's my brother. So I, I know about yeah. Kimuatu, and we played, had many b- battles against Haloti in, in in Pittsburgh versus Baltimore. So yes, it was it was a rough time at times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and by the way, the man who used to uh, man Carrie's chair here, Demarco Farr, U Dub guy, almost the same size as you, six one two eighty five. Yes, yes, DeMarco is, is a legend out here in the Northwest. Yeah, he's been great. And by the way, I, I got to ask you, because you do play multiple sports, are you still playing rugby? Uh, yeah, I still kind of play. Yeah, How'd that come I about? Tell us, tell us how you became a rugby player. <laughs> uh, so two years ago when the XFL first shut down in 2020, um, you know, nobody – no one was playing any sports. And so uh, the rugby team out in Glendale, Colorado, reached out to me and said, hey, we're taking a bunch of football players and trying to turn them into rugby players. Would you be interested? And I was like, sure. Like, are you guys paying me to do it? And they're like, yeah, like, we'll, we'll pay you and, you know, house you and everything. So went out there to Glendale. And they taught me the game of rugby. And they kind of all, you know, went from there. Ended up falling in love with the game. Um, traveled with them to South America, went to, you know, Uruguay, Argentina, um, Colombia, and just kind of went all over the place to play. And then I ended up, after uh, doing that program, I ended up coming back to Seattle and playing uh, in the MLR here for the Seattle Seawolves. How different is rugby? I, I've always watched it. We we actually teach rugby tackling now. What have you learned from rugby that can translate to, to, the, to, the, to the football game of football? Um, I'd say the tackling is probably the most important piece because in rugby, there's there's technique to tackling. You know, you can't tackle people with your head, so it's safer. Um, and it's just like just the technique in terms of, you know, being able to just track the hip, track the near hip, um, you know, 
and wrap, drive for five. It's just by taking the head out, you know, you don't really have to worry about, um, I guess, you know, the concussions. And then it's just more of an effective tackle. Now, with rugby, do you actually get to carry the ball as well? Yes, and that is that's that's the yeah. best part about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah, I want to know. It's the best. I mean, it's the best part because you you get to do everything. You know, I mean, you you know you'll play defense in the game for a couple phases while the other team has possession, and then if you know first possession, then you get to carry the ball and you get to run it. Um, you get to pass it. You know, you can you can do it all. Fantastic. Tani, we'll be watching tonight. Thanks so much for the time this morning. Good luck, and we look forward to seeing you back here in a couple of weeks at the Dome for the Battle Hawks opener uh, when you guys are back in town. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Take care. That's Tani Tupo. He'll be playing for the Battle Hawks tonight on the defensive line as they take on the uh, Seattle Sea Dragons, and the game is on FX. Okay, FX. So uh, tune in tonight. Battle Hawks action. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch with uh, an edition of Rock and Roll as we head towards a balloon party. Uh, did M- McKernan decide to come in today? Yeah, he's all good. He's here. Yes, he was playing. It wasn't okay, good. Was, he's fine. Okay, good. He's down. So I'm down the hall. All right, good. No, mind mind him. Hey, listen, on, on Tuesday... He uh, he was a little sick, and so he just did the show remotely. He wasn't even, he, so I mean, oh okay. Appa- apparently, we now as long as he's not in the doctor's office. Uh, apparently, it's game. He time. plays hurt, huh? Yeah, it's game times on time. Okay, I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> Rock and roll is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. It's time for Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. Matthew, what do you got? According to ESPN reporter Juan Tai, Aaron Rodgers has emerged from his darkness uh, retreat. She got that from the owner uh, of the facility in Southern Oregon that he uh, that he spent his last days. They also have this. The room he spent his four days in was partially underground. It was a hobbit-like structure with 300 square feet of space, devoid of light, with a queen bed, a bathroom, and a a meditation-like mat on the floor. So we don't have any answers from Aaron Rodgers, but do you think Mr. Rodgers got the clarity he he went for? Question one. Has a bathroom. Has a toilet. Man. Darkness. Uh, Listen. Randy. I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering. <laughs> right, yeah. It's not a familiar room, CD. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he, he missed time or two. Uh, uh, I, I'm so bothered by that the fact that we talk about Aaron Rodgers. It was on the bottom of ESPN, the scroll across. Aaron Rodgers emerged. emerges from darkness. Like, what the hell do I care? First of all. It's like the, the, I, the groundhog. I try my best not to be judgmental of people. But this sounds like a dumbass idea, Randy. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know, know who would be willing to put themselves in prison, essentially prison, for four days. Yeah. Like, uh, no, I don't want to do that. No. I don't want to have. I don't. I don't want to. If I want to be in darkness, you know what I'll do? I'll sit in my room and put some blackout. But think about this though: three hundred square foot room. That's not a, not a lot of accoutrement. Sounds like he's planning to live in a New York apartment. Oh, oh he, there well, you go. Here, here's the thing, Rock. He won't need to live in a New York apartment of that size. He had, it, the 60 million plays, no matter where you go, it, it, he can he can buy a, a big enough 
apartment building or, or condo or whatever it is. my New York joke? Yeah, I'm just saying. If he plays for the Jets, he's going to live in total darkness. <laughs> he's gonna, I don't know where he's going. I have no clue. Vegas, baby. You think he's going to Vegas? Yeah, I think that'd be great. Him and him and Devontae yeah. hook back up? Yeah, the only two players he'll have. That's it. That's all they can afford. Just you two. Hey, go out there and see what you got. You're going to have an offensive line that is trying to figure out what's going on. We talked a lot about Eric Bieniemy the last couple days, but I want to throw this out. As the Chiefs has, have hired a new offensive coach to join the staff, Pep Hamilton okay. will join the, join the Chiefs. If I'm Kansas is City, he OC? I, he's joining as a, I believe he's as a, as, a, as just a, as a passing game. Nagy yeah. is going to be the OC. Oh, how's that going to work out? Well, it's fine before. Yeah, yeah, so they're, they're, they're working. Yeah, they're working right now. Excuse me, they're working right now to add Pep Hamilton to the staff. So there's no there's no details or, or what position it would be. I'm I personally love this move for the Chiefs. You talk about losing a, a mind like Bieniemy, who was so such a key part of your offense from certain people's perspective at least. To get a guy like Pep Hamilton, who I th- honestly think is one of the more underrated offensive minds in football across all levels. I love this move for the Chiefs. Yeah, Pep was on a track to become a head coach uh-huh. uh, some years ago. I think the well, he, he got there when when Andrew Luck was there with yep. the Colts. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of halted his his progression because Andrew Luck decided that he didn't want to play football anymore. Right. But, you know, Pep is a, is a great football mind, great football coach. I think he'll do well there in, in Kansas City. Um, and maybe he'll have an opportunity to, to go forward and, and continue his, his opportunity to be a head coach. Kerry, I know you saw it in Pittsburgh. I saw it here in St. Louis after the Rams got really good. A lot of times when a team wins and plays as many games as they do, there is a drop-off in energy and intensity. And sometimes mm-hmm. when you win, you just need a little bit of pep. Oh, I see what you did there. You need a little pep in your step. Yep. Uh-huh. Just add a little pep to the game. Yep. Yeah, it's okay. You like that uh, one? I like that one. That's good. You. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, my pleasure, Randy. And uh, we've got T-Mac and Ajax coming up tomorrow on the show. It will be Friday. Oh. Friday. Friday. So we'll have Rebecca Black singing at the very beginning of the show. And we'll talk to Joey V. We'll talk to Jay Delsing. Anything else fun coming up tomorrow? Uh, we're going to be talking to Robert Thomas as well. And we're st- still potentially working on talking a little NBA with uh, ESPN's Tim Bonta. Hey, let's just promote that every day. Every day we have promoted it. We're <laughs> waiting on you, Tim. Whenever you I saw Mina Kimes, a big fan of the Battlehawks. I'm going to start saying that we're going to have Mina Kimes on until it happens. Yeah, until it happens. Sounds good. I think Michelle might have her number. You can get her on. Ooh, okay. There you go. That's a good play. We just booked a show right there. Right now. You know what? Well I'm going to see if my... 18th text to Taylor Twelman goes unanswered. Let's try. Okay. Let's try. Let's try for him again tomorrow. Just keep Sounds trying. Good. Yeah, good idea. Thank you, Matthew. Pleasure, Producer Engineer Matthew Rocchio, CD. And we appreciate you folks all tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow, Friday morning at seven. Have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.